and talking to our friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And I'm Danielle. And I'm Mark Tweedell. Hey! hey! What's Tweedell. happening? We've got Book Mark member. on the podcast. Welcome, Mark. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. How's it going today, Mark? Hey. Yeah, all right. I'm nervous, but, you know, okay, I'm here. Oh, awesome. no need to be nervous. You're with friends. I feel like we already know you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, gang, we've got the buff raffle going on. Thank you, Craig McKnight and all the contributors. If you've already donated, consider donating again or throwing in another few bucks. We've been talking every week about the amazing original art that's going to be up for the raffle. We've got Mike Bignola, and we've been listing the names every week. And so I thought this week I would talk about some of the merch that's available, right? Yeah. Because there's some really cool stuff on there. You've got the Hellboy 25-year sketchbook, the more drawing sketchbook. That one's pretty rare. You've got all these artist editions for Hellboy in Hell and Amazing Screw on Head, including those remarked editions that right. Aubrey was talking about. Yeah, you've those got, look badass. You've got the Art of Mike Mignola prints that are signed by Mignola and Dave Stewart. There's a Dark Horse book bundle with key issues, the Monkey with a Gun statue by Mignola, the Mondo Baby Hellboy, all the different kind of Hellboy toys, as well as some painted Mantic minis by our own podcast musician, Paul from Gardaharn. Paul from Gardaharn. Yeah. Awesome. He donated some painted minis. They looked really cool. That's badass. There's also the Hellboy Steelbook Blu-ray and the Skeleton Crew Lobster card. So nice. I don't know if everyone knows this, so there was like that Troll Witch replica that skeleton crew made yeah every one of those came with 10 lobster cards awesome i've been like showing those on the posts yeah Yeah. i've been trying to incorporate them into our lobster episodes the pictures and stuff like that but so there were only 50 of those spoons made and there are 10 cards in each one so the way that i figured it there are only 500 of those cards right so that's actually pretty rare Mm. um so that's a really cool item to get made by skeleton crew that's like an authentic lobster card all you need to do next nice. is brand his thing into your forehead jeez oh, <laughs> then that would make you like a nazi don't oh, do that yeah i don't want to go that far <laughs> don't fucking do that shit go brand it in a nazi's forehead no yes <laughs> there you go but then you have to leave the card there you don't want to do that true leave it there and take a picture and then take the card back no i mean that's not how lobster works <laughs> Go check out the raffle, hop over to Mike Mignolo's art on Facebook, go to the the announcements tab, and you can see all the information, check out all the awesome prizes, the tickets are only five bucks, so get in there. We don't have Matt with us this week, but I wanted to talk about some of his plugs. Make sure to check out Matt at Friends of Strackbine on Instagram, as well as the Letterhack Podcast on Twitter, and check out his Letterhack Podcast on Podbean. It's been great, I just caught up on that this week he had a great episode about comic books too oh nice all right and now we're gonna go on to some listener feedback listener feedback is that <laughs> the new the song new jingle. Is that the new jingle? <laughs> we just made it up sure <laughs> you read a story we talk about it you hate them guys us and it's a book club get out DJ Alpha T said, Hey, you damn guys. Any plans on covering Hellboy Weird Tales? Not canon, that not that it really matters, but it's a lot of fun. And so, hey, that's a great question for you, Mark. So you've been helping me put together the reading order. That's one thing that we've been talking about at the end of the episode. I'm glad Aubrey's been incorporating that. 
Thank you so much. We actually get to formally thank you on the podcast yes. for all the hard work you've Absolutely. been doing. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> That's such an interesting thing to put together because it's got a complete, like, completely different needs from the usual reading orders I put right. together. Like, there's that whole aspect of like, have we been in the a certain mood for too long? Like, right. 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 Yeah. Why you get like a surge of Lobster Johnson because you've been through a really long stretch of like BBRD <laughs> and Abe Sapien, which awesome. is all doom and gloom. It works really well. Yeah. 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 So I did talk to you. We we did incorporate the Hellboy weird tales down the line, right? Yeah, we did. Um, that was uh, another one of those like, oh, let's break things up a little bit with this. Yeah. Yeah. So we will have that coming up. Um, yeah, but thanks again, DJ Alpha T. Ross Radke also said, hope everyone is on their best behavior tonight. He wrote this on Krampus Not. Okay. Is that okay. how you said that? <laughs> and he said, here's an homage to a panel from Hellboy. We'll just say in August, I drew Squints 10 years ago. Oh, wow. I don't know if you guys saw this. Ah, that's so awesome. Yeah, it was so yeah, no, cool. I saw that. cool. It was um, where Hellboy, he punches the wolf and he oh, says, Oh, I did see Boom, that. Yeah. But it's Santa Claus punching Krampus and he says, Ho. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that. That was pretty kick-ass. Yeah, so uh, go check out Ross Radke on Twitter or Instagram to check out that post. At Rev Andy Carlson on Twitter, he was like, guys, guys, and he quote tweeted this tweet from Skeleton Crew. They said that they have some new BPRD artifacts coming up, and one of them is going to be the Whittier Medallion. Oh, I wow, saw okay. that. That's, that's awesome. the one that I've, so cool. That's the one that I've been waiting for. I've really been <laughs> wanting that one, especially like it, that is the same image that's on the Galdenar guys, right? We were talking about that. Yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. same one. Yeah, so, and I love that story too. So that's going to be a good one. What were the other artifacts they mentioned in the tweet? Because I totally didn't see that. No, it all it says is we will have a few BPRD artifacts releases coming up in the first half of 2020, including the Whittier Medallion. That's all it says. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, so uh, so I guess there's going to be some other stuff too, so that's exciting. Do you have any of those artifacts, Mark? No, I don't. I'm one of those people that I can't get collectors, things like that, because there's a part of my brain whenever I look at something and see the price, I'm like, that's five books. Like, that, that's just how <laughs> oh. I measure it. <laughs> right on, right on. <laughs> Well, you've got your you've and got so your preferences like, and your priorities. As much as I want it, I, I always have to go books. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Go. I love that. I make the exception for original art. Ah, nice. okay, okay, nice. Original art is one of the coolest things you can. I'm the same way. I'm just like, oh, but but it's by the actual artist. I know. Yeah. I was just talking to Aubrey before we started recording it. Maybe I'll have to have a private conversation with you, Mark. There's a page from Lawrence Campbell that I really want to buy. I just got a bonus at work. And I'm like, and it's on sale right now. He's having a sale, and so oh. um, I'll text you afterwards and tell you which which one it is. It's a it, it's a certain page. You'll you'll understand why I want it. Yeah, so. I've got um, pages myself. There was a part of me that wanted to buy them, but at the same time, I was like, if I buy that, I will never be able to look at it and and then function <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I think I'm gonna invest soon in in some art. I've been waiting to. Well, we we got some from Matt. That's the first yeah. one that, that that I've ever had. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'm pretty excited. I got a. Tie Crook piece in the mail heading oh, my way. Oh, cool. Oh, really? Nice. We'll have to talk about that because I do want to talk about a page that you've already mentioned that you have when we get to the story. I want to give some major shouts out. Yes. 
to at local underscore goddess and tales from the chris on instagram we were in their spotify story oh Oh, yeah i thought that was really cool to see us in there i was like we're legit local (laughs) underscore goddess book club member yeah tales from the chris book club member yeah you gotta say at you gotta put the ad in there you gotta put the ad at tales from the chris (laughs) (laughs) yeah so thanks for sharing us and being a part of the community it was so awesome to see i'm glad you guys are out there listening and we had some feedback on lobster johnson ascent of lotus ryan rollinson said the crimson lotus scariest lobster nemesis ever Mm. yeah Mm. and i was thinking about that that's the only time that we've seen him be scared so far right right? i think oh good point usually he's just whipping ass with fucking chairs and yeah (laughs) luggage racks and shit dispensing that justice yeah Yeah. absolutely that shot with the eye always gets me you know like like, just that we see his eye oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. that's what i was talking about that moment so perfectly yeah Oh, yeah, that's a great panel. He's shown a little bit of vulnerability. Right. Reflected in like a physical way, but also it's supposed to represent like what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, art. (laughs) (laughs) Nicholas Orizaga said, One thing I really like about Ascent of Lotus is that Lobster Johnson teams up with the Chinese immigrants, gangsters though they might be, against the Japanese occupying government. This was four years before the start of the Second Sino-Chinese War and eight years before the U.S. entry into World War II, as confirmed by the dates affixed to the monkey in the jar. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, and um, that was cool. We didn't talk about that, that he teamed up with the seemingly bad guys, you know? Yeah. He said, this reminds me of the comic strip Terry and the Pirates, in which the ruthless villain, the Dragon Lady, eventually became a resistance leader for China and joined forces with the heroes Terry Lee, Pat Ryan, Connie, and Big Stoop against the Japanese imperialists. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, I guess. I mostly like it knowing how the Japanese would ally themselves with the Nazis, and you know how we feel about that. Hashtag always punch Nazis. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. I think when we were reading that story, I mentioned that the Crimson Lotus was maybe shooting down the couriers, but he said that he's pretty sure it's the monkeys. If you look at the way that they're getting shot, it's oh, from okay. below. Oh, it's right. like squirting oh, okay. upwards or whatever. So I thought that hmm. was interesting. Yeah. Um, the makes... shooter would have to be monkey sized to get those angles, he says. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that makes sense, too. If you got your monkey henchmen, why not use them? Right. And he said the panel that you mentioned of Cindy Tynan, where she's eating the yes, pie and yes. all that. He says uh, that panel's great. I especially like how even though she agreed the pie was delicious, once she figured out what the date really was, she put the fork down and refused to take another bite. Eckerd's true motives literally caused her to lose her appetite. What a dick. Man. <laughs> Man, that scene was just so good though. Because it's like you just the way that Fumara just drew her, I mean, he's just like you could definitely tell she's like, Yeah, no. Yeah. That was a it good was scene. So good. <laughs> and Ryan Yule, if you check out our posts on Facebook. He posted a bunch of the scans of the original pencils for some really great pages from that series. He doesn't own them, but he said when they were on sale, he saved those images of just the pencils. And it was like that cover that Zonyage did with all the flowers and stuff like that. And then it was like some of the ones where lobsters running with the courier bag and all that stuff. It was really cool. Yeah. So thank you for sharing those, Ryan. I really like the cover one because like in its black and white form, you can definitely see... 
what Dave Stewart brings to the art. Yeah, yeah. Um, because the, the, the black and white in and of itself is just a beautiful page, but then like, Dave Stewart just brings it to another level. Right, right. And it's just great. We had some feedback on Lobster Johnson, A Prayer for Neferu. Nicholas Orizaga said, I like how the lobster helps to thin the ranks of the Heliopic Brotherhood even more. <laughs> <laughs> I agree this did seem like an episode of Batman the Animated Series, especially the ones with Ra's al Ghul and the Society of Shadows. Is it Ra's oh, yeah. or Raish? We mentioned, Have we, we figured this out? We talked about it. I, I think it's Ra's because that's what they said in the cartoon, but then they said Raish. A lot of people the, say Raish. What do you think it is, Mark? Now we have you on here. Mike Romeo uh, actually mentions uh, there's a whole thing about the pronunciation okay. of that particular name. <laughs> like, you know, Raz is the Batman animated series, yeah. but apparently in the comics it's supposed to be Raish. And yeah, but anyway. So who knows? <laughs> I don't know. We about, don't know. Oh. Not that we could ever contact this person, but who would be the authority on this, do you think? In your mind, like, who would you, res- I, I, whose opinion would be like, okay, I take, all right, that settles it for you. Who would that be? I have absolutely no idea. Like I, said, I, don't, I, barely, I don't really read Marvel or DC. I don't know. This is going to be one anyway. of those things where you're just going to have to pronounce it the. It's going to be whoever. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> who gives a shit is a good answer. I like that. That's good. How many names do you read in a comic or whatever that, like, you have no idea how they're pronounced? Because yeah. somehow it's a thing that lives in your head. It's like that Grogok thing. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. I I never gave a single thought to how that was pronounced. It was just, it was those characters. Like that that particular pattern on the page. That's it. Yeah. That's what it was. You know, that happens to me a lot too. And then I hear someone say Grogok and I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) But we had this conversation before about never making fun of a guy who says the word wrong because you know he learned it because he was reading it. That's a, I'm paraphrasing yeah. that quote, but that's, yeah. you know. You you attributed to Mark oh. Twain last time. Is it Mark Twain? Is it Mark Twain? Twain? I, I don't know. no fucking idea. <laughs> you said it. Well, I don't know. I, <laughs> I might have just said I that. May just have mentioned a... that um, I was doing an interview with uh, Mike Mignola over a podcast, and we both had no idea what the other was saying because <laughs> our pronunciation of the same word was so different. We were saying the same word back to each other, and oh, it just wasn't registering. that is so funny. Wow. Yeah. Oh, oh, actually, um, another one that really got me was um, hyperbeerum. Or oh, that's right. how I was saying it in the way. By the way, hyperbeerum, and like, and this, it was really funny because like, Mignola was like, "What?" And then he goes, "You mean hyperbeerum?" I'm like, "Oh, oh. so yeah, it's hyperbeerum." Okay, well, John's been saying hyperborium. Right, yeah. So is it hyperbum? That's what mm. it is. Okay. Well, anyway, Here, thanks, there for, you go. thanks for clarifying that for us. That's great. The thing we were describing just happened. <laughs> I'm probably still going to pronounce it the other way for a while. Right. <laughs> Fourth Floor Comic on Instagram said, we need a Mignola-drawn lobster story. Oh, I start thinking about this. Man. Do we not have a? There's no Mignola lobster stories. How can that be? Oh, oh. man. Well, I mean, what about when oh, he shows up in Hellboy? Yeah, Conquer Worm, I guess. But... I mean, he kind of did the inking for one of those short stories. Um, I can't remember. Which oh yeah, one you're right. Um, uh, Killer in my brain or whatever. Killer in my skull. He did the inks yeah. on, on that one. You're absolutely right. Okay, but I mean, that one. Either that or it was Ed Saping versus Science. I don't know. I think of both of those. I think both of those are pencils by Matt Smith, the other Matt Smith, and inks by Mignola. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It would be great to see another one. I know. (laughs) Yes, please. Let's get another one. Let's start a whatever. No, no. (laughs) He is is doing paintings. I don't know if you've seen those watercolors. Oh, yeah. They've been amazing. Yeah, Yeah. good. Yeah, they're really awesome. Mr. Sajman on Instagram said, it looks like Parak from Czech Comics. 
Did you give it a Googs? P-E-R-A-K. Yes, I did. And he looks exactly like Lobster Johnson. Okay. Kind of. He's got oh, he's wow. got kind of like a... It's fun. It's more like a pilot's helmet with okay. the goggles. Okay. And then he's got more like a tan suit. He obviously doesn't have the lobster stuff all over him. He looks more like a pilot Does in a pilot gear. Nazis or? But he's, he's definitely got the goggles. And then like his boots had like these sprungy things oh, okay. on them or whatever. Okay. That's fun. It looked pretty cool. But in some panels and some pictures of his face, he did look a lot like yeah. the Lobster. So what's yeah. he? What's his deal? What's his gig? What's he doing? I don't know. It was in Czechoslovakian. So All right. I, I couldn't really. Well, hey, uh, Mr. Sajman, go ahead and yeah, give us, us another know, hey, yeah. damn guys. Follow up on that and let us know what his what he's all about. It was really interesting. I'll have to post some pictures of that. That was a good bit of trivia. Sorry, can I just drop in one bit of uh, yes, please? Because yes. I didn't bother typing. Oh, yeah. yeah um, you, uh, we, you now mean. we get to get your feedback yeah. live on the air. Oh, That's awesome. so awesome. Okay, Great. give it to us. I don't know if you mentioned this in the podcast or not. I can't remember. But The Prayer of Nefero, the weird thing about Lobster Johnson is it's all written out of order and then assembled in order in the trades somewhat. Uh, so you've already seen The Prayer of Nefru before. It appeared in a, the second issue of The Iron Prometheus. There's a panel where they're talking about all the previous uh, people that he's fought, and it, it shows that moment. Oh, man, I totally didn't catch that. Where is that? What? That's awesome. You'll be able to see it because it's all in yellow. They cut, like they color all the flashbacks in yellow. Uh, oh, here it is. Again. I found it. That is so yeah. cool. So it's like a lot of these short stories, like uh, if you go back, you'll be able to find these like little references to a story that was written before them, but is set after them. Wow. I love that. Thank you for pointing that out. I, and, and you know, I haven't, so I'll be able to post this for probably for tomorrow. That is so cool. Yeah. I didn't even catch that. Wow. Great bit of feedback. Wait, we read that a long time ago though, right? Yeah. That was the first one. That was the oh. episode that came out all Oh, that episode. Too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. This week we're talking about Hellboy and the BPRD 1952. This was a five-issue miniseries published from December 2014 to April 2015, written by Mignola and Arcudi, illustrated by Alex Maleev. Fucking love Alex Maleev. Hell yeah, he's a Bulgarian comic book artist, and oh my god, the late 90s Daredevil run by Maliev and Bendis was one of my most favorite things ever. Man. <laughs> I was reading that uh, as it was coming out in the individual issues, and it was such an amazing run, so I was so excited when I heard that he was going to be doing some Hellboy. Yeah, I remember you uh, You were like reading that, and you're like, you handed me the stack, and he's like, read this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's some of my favorite stuff. Have you ever read that stuff, Mark? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, that's actually some pretty good stuff. If, if it's yeah. Marvel and DC, you can almost guarantee I haven't read it. <laughs> yeah, that was like my, one of my first uh, introductions to Alex Maliev, and his artwork was just like, holy shit, yeah, what it's is really this great. amazing thing I'm looking at? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy that run. And as always, colors by Dave Stewart and letters by Clem Robbins. And check out these colors on issue number one. Yeah, that is so incredible. And as we open this story... We start in a hospital in France, 1946, and uh, we've talked about this before. I always love when artists get to redraw scenes from before, and that's exactly what we get here. At the end of BPRD 1946, Broom went up in this rocket to stop Von Klemp from releasing the vampire virus or whatever, and Sergeant May sacrificed his life to blow up the Kriegafi and in turn the rocket. 
Broom jumped out with a parachute and he ended up in this hospital in France. And it was so funny because when Danielle was reading it, she was no, like, "No, I was yeah, I was, I was like, like, hey, I feel like I've read this before. Like, <laughs> what is this?" And you were explaining, you were like, "Oh no, that was a dream. It was all dream, and now it's really happening." And I was just like, "Okay, okay, all right." No, it was it happened, and now it's a dream. Well, the other way around. Yeah, <laughs> somebody was dreaming. Sometime, yeah, at some time. But no, it's a it's a good bit. Yeah, though. I like that. Like, it's a good yeah, it's a good little idea. Bring you there. back it's, into it's, the story. Did cool. you remember this, Aubrey? Uh, vaguely, especially with like Vivara, but I was like, wait, when did he meet Vivara again? My brain just couldn't remember at the time. Right, right, right. It was that year. I, I specifically think, yeah. remember this bit that she did. <clears throat> She's like, I'm just a little girl coming to visit you. And the nurse was like, that's very sweet. And then Bruma's is just like, oh, fucking. Oh, God. <laughs> but I, I really like the way that they did it because it's not exactly the same scene. A lot of the dialogue right, has no, been yeah. condensed. Right. And so, you know, where she's like, hello, Papa. And then Broom looks up and he sees both of them. They have this whole exchange between the nurse and Bavara. Yeah. I almost think like he's so dazed that he just kind of sees them there. Oh, okay. And he maybe doesn't even catch that interaction between them or something. I don't know. I just kind of like the way well, that... Well, that's the thing, though. It's, it's not a flashback. It's a memory. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, like you can skip bits of dialogue. You can blur things and kind of make it like it, it, it's this hazy version of what it really was. Yes. Yes. You just get the, like the essential pieces, and so, but a lot of it is, is is the same. I was comparing them side by side as I was looking at him. She climbs into the bed with him, and she pulls out the little file, and she shows him the picture and everything. But I just like this take by Malieve is so good. I really like the way that he draws Broom too. Yeah, mm. he's a really nice match for uh, Paul as a setter's style too. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And so, if you recall from that story. She shows Broom for the first time he sees the picture of Rasputin. And she says that he's the person responsible for summoning Hellboy. One of our good old Russian boys, she says. You must ask yourself why. What does Rasputin want with your boy? I know what you're thinking, Broom says, but the child's not dangerous. Referring to Hellboy. No, Vavara asks. There's something else there, Broom says. I see a spark of something good. And so in 1946, I love when he's saying this part, you see Hellboy eating a plate of spaghetti or something yeah. like that. Little Hellboy. Yeah. Aww. But I do like this version where we get to see this shot of Vivara uh, staying in front of the bed. And so this is the part where it's a little different as I was comparing them because he stays in the bed and she leaves. And here they both get up and walk to the window as she says, or perhaps it is a spark which will burn your house down. And so Broom looks out the window. This version by Malieve is so awesome. Um, I really like that kind of bewildered yeah. look as he looks out the window or whatever. And so he sees the whole city. And is it like all destroyed or something? Is it like all on fire? Yeah, it's like on fire and shit. Yeah. Well, because of there's a giant Hellboy stomping around. Right. So he <laughs> sees this giant version of Hellboy kind of looming over the city. And then there's like a huge crash, I guess the window breaking in front of him, and then he wakes up, and this is where we kind of see that it was all a dream. It's like reality is crashing in front of him. Ah, <laughs> I like that. Mm. I think Whoa. this is a lot about uh, what's going on in his head, you know, right, like yeah. all the time. It's like just background noise. It's just like he can never forget this. Right. You know, like this yeah. aspect of Hellboy. But, yeah, I don't I don't cut him enough slack. Like he's under a lot of pressure. <laughs> and I'm just like, how dare you? But it's just like, geez, give me a break, you know? So um yeah. the professor wakes up and Margaret is there calling to him for his meeting. The agents are in the hall. I'm fine. It's just a dream, Broom says. Show them in. 
and we get to see the falling water building again. And I've missed this building, to be honest nice, with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we meet the 1952 squad. This was teased in the ending of BPRD, Hell on Earth, The Devil's Wings. And so remember, Kate was like, I want to hear that story. Right. And so we saw the lineup of Broom, Hellboy, Archie, Muraro, and Stegner. And so before I go on, we have to ask you, Mark, how did Lawrence Campbell just send you that page? <laughs> we were doing an interview and um, he just said that he'd never had an interview that was as interesting and as fun. And then he sent that as a thank you. Oh, my God. Like, totally blew my mind. It's not just that he sent a page, but like he knows how much Kate Corrigan means to me. And he sent me a Kate Corrigan page. So I was like, oh, oh, that is anyway. so cool. <laughs> and he doesn't draw her a whole lot. Yeah. That's amazing, though. You must have been so excited when this series was coming out because it's kind of like paying that off, right? I mean, that's kind of like the teaser oh, yeah. for this. Well, they do that sort of stuff all the time where they tease an upcoming series and a different series. Yeah, this would have been going on um, the same time as uh, Flesh and Stone was coming out. Ah. And um, Age Sapiens, uh, Darkness So Great. Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, this is a great time for us to be uh, checking out this title. I love hearing about how issues come out, and then, but the, how the story just kind of lays out really well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you've done a great job on keeping yes. all this yeah. wonderful. It, it's one of those things where like people often go, oh, just assemble it into chronological order. And you're like, yeah, but if you assemble it into chronological order, you don't get the 1949 story <laughs> until you get to 2014, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah, right. It, it, things are nested in that way. It's yeah. not meant to be read in a chronological order, at least not the yeah. first time. I've been enjoying this. Yeah. It's such a great story. And so here in this lineup, we don't have Hellboy yet, but we do have all of those other characters that were teased, plus the new agent, Susan Jiang, former intelligence <laughs> agent for the FBI, and Robert Amsel, former security advisor at Princeton and with the BPRD for a year now. I actually have to point out one detail in here, because I remember when I was reading this, Archie, it says that he's been um, with the BPRD since 1948. And I was like, wait a minute, he sh first showed up in 1947. He was oh. the one who, uh, who made pancakes for Hellboy. Aww. And um, I, I ended up, um, yeah, and so I, I wrote in to Scott about that. <laughs> and um, he told me, no, it wasn't a mistake. Um, he was actually with the Air Force, at the Air Force base that um, the BPRD was stationed oh. at. And so um, uh, the Bureau moved in, uh, I think it's mid-1947, to Fairfield. And so he would have been working there, missed Hellboy, and then asked to move into the uh, BPRD and oh, moved in 1948. Okay. So it's, it's it's an expression of just how much he cares about Hellboy. Aww. He's like a big fan. Yeah. I love that's, that. Thank you for pointing that out. That's great. That's actually really sweet. Yes. <laughs> While we talk about this, I'm just going to be gushing over a lot of these character versions by Maliv. I love his version of Broom. He looks so like weary. Yeah. And, like, you know what I mean? He looks great though. I really love it. I always like to, to remember the character's ages you know, just as a kind of a measure of uh, where they are in their life. So, like, just think about how much responsibility he's got and how weary he is, and he's 34. Wow. Oh. That's crazy. Okay. Just think of everything he's seen in his 34 yeah, years. That's, yeah, yeah, really. That'll age you. Having and a hell boy <laughs> for a son. And Broom debriefs the team about a village in Brazil, Terroso. And there is actually a real village called that, but it's in Portugal, not in Brazil. 33 people have been murdered by some sort of beast. They can't land there, but Broom can get them close. I'm kind of curious about this. So when you were reading this for the first time, when was the moment when you were like, oh my God, Von Clamp? I didn't even, and you're so, right. So yeah, actually, like as soon as panel, they mentioned they Brazil. Brazil. And I'm like, oh my God, Von Clamp. <laughs> 
oh, now that you mentioned I should have, but no, it wasn't until I turned the page and I, yeah. said, I was like, oh, this jackass. I didn't even <laughs> think of it, to be honest, when I was first reading it. Yeah, but I'm sure a lot of I'm, I'm sure a lot of other people caught on to that. Stegner, he questions the mission, but Broom says Brazil is a U.S. priority since the signing of the OAS Charter in 1948, OAS standing for Organization of American States which was formed for the purposes of solidarity and cooperation among its members within the Western Hemisphere. During the Cold War, this meant opposing leftism as a European influence. Since the 1990s, the organization has focused on election monitoring. Headquartered in the United States Capitol, Washington, D.C., the OAS members are 35 independent states of the Americas. They're incorporating that historical fiction to get them to Brazil, right? This is a good way to do it. I just really appreciate all the effort that they take to like weave all this together. Like, oh, this was happening at the, at the same time. So, anyway. yeah. Ah, so the real monster here is political, not supernatural. Got it, Stegner responds. Jacob, your perpetual cynicism has become exhausting, Broom says. <laughs> that's one of my favorite lines. <laughs> that's why he's so weary. It's not all that other stuff. It's just this guy. <laughs> it may offend your sensibilities to live in the real world. But the money must come from somewhere. Or maybe the pay isn't good enough for you, Broom says. And Segner's just like, oh, it was a joke. I'm sorry. Margaret comes over and she's like, all right, the professor needs his rest. And he's like, one more thing. And there's like a pause. And they're all just waiting there. And he's like, you're taking Hellboy with you. Nice. <laughs> you're taking the kid. Yeah. And kid is, is definitely a, a good way to refer to him at this point. He's Aww. seven. wow yeah you're absolutely right stegner who just got called out by broom he's like i'm not trying to get fired here but are you sure about this you know i like the kid a lot but this has always been your rule it turns out broom hasn't let any non-agents aka hellboy out in the field since the events of devil's wings in 1949 where after blowing up a house and charging up to do more the evil magician Brecken was shot in the head by Hellboy. Stegner and Amsel are doubtful, but Archie thinks it's a great idea. And he's been sticking up for Hellboy for a while, even though his mocking started the shaved horns thing or whatever. You know, I guess they repaired that relationship. Yeah, I think, well, I, I felt like they did because I think the next time we saw them together, he was like, they were friends again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like anything, you know, with siblings, you have rough patches, but they heal. Yeah. yeah, and I was thinking about it too. It would be weird if he didn't start doing that. Like if he was just walking around with these giant horns all the time, right? He'd <laughs> <laughs> be like darkness from Legend, right? right. <laughs> Archie says they'll show him the ropes. He's hardly a kid anymore. I declared the non-agent prohibition, and I can make an exception. Simple as that. Broom says. And then he's like, Archie. And then so Archie's like, I'm on it. So it makes me think like they already had this plan between the yeah. two of them, right? That this was going to happen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, it's it's pretty clear that Archie has actually been on Broom being like, you know, he can't be in here. And Broom's been like, ah, how do we get him out of here? You know, like, th- there's been a lot of conversations. Right. To Broom, they're like, hey, this is your rule. And he's like, hey, I made the rule. I can change the yeah. rule. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very dad thing to say, right? Yep. <laughs> so there's this one, like, suspicious part here as they're all getting ready to go to the car. Amsel's like, I got to make a phone call really quick. I already knew, like, that was something, right? And they're like, breaking a day? And he's like, something like that. So he's got to go do anyway. 
As soon as he said, I got to go make a call, I was like, uh, I don't like that. As Jiang and Stegner talk, she says she's interested to work with Hellboy, but Stegner says it could end up a lot more like babysitting. I do like this scene where Archie comes over and like he knocks on the door. I like how there's that rap, rap, rap. We were talking about Clem Robbins a little bit, trying yeah. to shout him out a little bit more, but I always love those little sound effects and stuff like that. And just the way, I just love that panel. It's a great panel. He's like, hey kid, you decent? More or less, Hellboy says, okay, smartass, get some stuff together. This is Whatever immediately you need to- very overly combative. Sorry, I found that extremely which, rude. Which part? This whole, why is he calling him a smartass? He's just like, He's giving him shit. They're, is uh, he, though? They're like, oh, is this yeah, their rapport? Yeah, well, I mean, that's how I talk to my brothers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, I used to. Okay. It's uh, meant to be, you know, like, smartass as he's, like, uh, accusing him or anything, but more, you know... <laughs> it's endearing. endearing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Endearing. All right. So this is an established rapport, is what you're saying. I think. I think. I think that's how I took it. Too. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. At first, I was just like, "Hey, whoa, geez," but okay. I guess if they're pals, they're they're palling around. Well, and I think the way that he phrases it too, because he's like, "All right, get your stuff together and meet me downstairs." Unless you want to miss your first assignment. Ah, okay. And then Hellboy's like, right. first assignment? Oh, he's like excited about it. You know it. what I mean? Because okay. he's been like locked up or I guess he hasn't <laughs> probably, he, he knows, you know, he's he's not stupid. He had to shoot that guy in the head and then since then they haven't let him out again. Mm. You know what I mean? So, and he's like, and put a shirt on, right? Because we see Hellboy sitting there. It was just a... He's in his own room. Over the Thanksgiving break, (laughs) we actually stayed with my nephew, who's now got his own place. He's 19. And this this is what this made me think of. (laughs) Yeah. Because we like, when we were in his place, and it reminded me of this. Like this little scene where Hellboy's in in there, like throwing cards on the floor with a dog and stuff like that. (laughs) Well, although I will say his place was very neat. He kept it very tidy. Yes. I was really happy to see see Mac still around. I know, yeah. yeah. Mac the dog, you're right. It's, it's, it's been, an, it's been mm. several years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's actually a, a short story in um, one of the Hellboy uh, antho- prose anthologies called The Other Side of Summer, written by Chris Robeson. Um, ah. uh, he'll be writing a future Hellboy in the BPRD story. Yeah. All right. And um, mm. it, it's about uh, Hellboy when he's a kid. Yeah, you kind of get to see what Hellboy was like, you know, Aww. in the in-between years. Oh, oh, we've got to read that. Yeah, that sounds exciting. Okay, that'll give us some. That'll give us some stuff to look forward to. It's a canon story too, because uh, the ca- there's a character introduced into that that Robertson says is going to show up in future Hellboy and the BPRD issues. Okay, okay, nice. nice. We get this one panel of Hellboy just sitting there. I really like that. But we also cut to this like a mysterious scene, right? We see Amsel. He's calling somebody. Look at that briefcase. Right, and and someone's got that briefcase that with posh. the beef. Yeah, I really like that. I wonder if the other guy's just thinking, oh, where do you get that? I want to get one of those. Is that standard issue? Like, how come I didn't get one? <laughs> He's talking to somebody named Mr. Frost. Oh. And so if we, we know, know right, we know who Mr. Frost is. So that I'm already him. like, oh, this guy's a jerk, right? He's like, I think I've mm-hmm. got him. That's yeah, I remember the last time we saw him in the, the Midnight Circus? He was being a complete not a ass and yeah. ended up making Hellboy run away. Yes. Yeah. He is on his back quite a bit about it. Right, right. It's probably like every time he talks to him. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably the only thing he calls him for. <laughs> Called you up. Hey, oh, yeah, it's Frost. Like Have you gotten rid of Hellboy yet? <laughs> I'll call you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> You know he's got. You know he's dialing a rotary no phone too. No <laughs> room so tired all the time. That's why. Yeah, he's getting those all those calls from Frost. Hey, Merry Christmas! You kill Hellboy yet? <laughs> all right, I'll call you tomorrow. 
Love you, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love you in there. We see the BPRD team loading up with Hellboy, and Broom is watching from the window. Margaret says, Broom didn't tell Hellboy goodbye. And he didn't say goodbye to me, Broom says. He tells Margaret that Hellboy hates it there. They tried to make it at home, but he can't grow up locked away. Only out there can he become a man. And we see uh, on his desk, there's a picture of the baby Hellboy, right? That very first picture that they took when they found him. I love how Malib gets to draw it, too. Yeah. yeah nice. I like whenever anyone gets to draw it. It's really cool. Oh, and then well, on the next page, there's another, hey, I get to draw this. And talk about flashbacks, right? This is amazing. I really like getting to see it from like another angle or whatever. Um, yeah. It just really blew me away. It's, a, it's an interesting choice. And I also appreciate, you know, at the top of the panel, the detail in the sculptures up here. Oh, yeah. Are yeah. great. We, we like to talk a lot about, you know, the mood shots that we're used to with Mignola style and all that stuff. And it's really nice to have artists who put the same weight behind. Oh, yeah. You know, giving thought to set and setting and, and aesthetic and mood and all that sort of thing. And of course, the Mighty Dave Stewart. Oh, yeah. Such a good job. That's here. what really sells it. Yeah, that. really good. That's so an anyway, amazing yeah, it's, scene. It's a really yeah. good panel, and it's really... I'm not a sequential artist, but I can only imagine that I would be so excited to be like, oh, I get to draw that. I get to draw that. Oh, cool. Like reading yeah. the script, being like, oh, I get to draw this page. Very cool. So I would be I would be psyched about something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's that pivotal scene where Hellboy is born, basically. He appears, and Malcolm Frost says, shoot it, kill it. It's a demon come from hell to destroy us all. It looks like a little boy. Hellboy, Broom says, and then the picture, and then we see that, I love that bottom panel of Broom, like, looking at the picture. He's remembering it as he's looking at that. I know it's not meant to be funny, but she's, it looks like, like a little boy, like a little Hellboy. Like <laughs> what are you talking about? Um... <laughs> It's the only time he made a pun. But I do like... What was this superhero's name? We kind of see him in the panel, oh, too. Oh, right. The Captain Torch of Liberty. Liberty. The Torch of Liberty. The Torch yeah, of Liberty. Yeah, I like that how they include him in there, too. That's great. We cut to the team flying into Brazil and more beautiful work by Maliv and Stewart yeah. as the plane is coming in. And boy, do these guys complain about flying. Yeah, jeez. It's just a universal thing. Everybody does it, right? And then as they get into this truck to take them to Tarasso... Archie's yelling at the driver, right? But not all of them are uncomfortable with the transportation. Hellboy's smiling. Can you smell that? Pine trees in Brazil. Isn't that something, he says? Yeah, he, I guess he doesn't get out a lot, like you were saying earlier. And so this is probably like, oh, this is so cool. I'm in a different place. I'm outside. Pine trees, wow. Yeah, and I did look this up. There's a piranha pine, also called the Brazilian pine. It's an evergreen timber conifer native to the mountains of southern Brazil. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, so that's what he's commenting on. And the driver is this little kid, right? His name is Olavo. And he's scared. You know, Archie is yelling at him to slow down, watch your driving. So he's like, I'm a little scared. And Jang says, oh, ignore him. He'll quiet out in a bit, thinking he's talking about Archie, right? And she's like, oh, wait, you mean the red guy? Right, I'd be more scared of Archie. He's yeah. the one <laughs> screaming and yelling. Jang tells Olavo that Hellboy is one of the good guys. And she gets distracted by this large looming fort on the hill that was turned into a prison. People were tortured and killed there. The local Father Augusto says, When he was little, God punished the prisoners and guards with a sickness. People in the town also became sick, so the prison was shut down. 
Olavo says that Father Augusto told him it's a haunted place. He says it was empty until some people came to make a movie there. And Father Augusto can tell them more. They're also arriving later than expected into the village. And so this old woman, we'll learn her name is Isadora. She's all upset about it. And she starts blaming the kid. But Archie tries his best to apologize in Portuguese. And he says the weather made it difficult to fly. Your Portuguese is not good, the old woman says. Damn. <laughs> I love how he said like they filmed a movie there. And that's just, like, that's just so Hollywood. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ooh, look at the scary castle. Let's go film a movie there. Right. I just love these shots of Hellboy throughout this sequence. Like everyone else is just like, eh, we're going to get to the place where we're going to sleep. He's looking around. He's yeah. observing behavior. And, yeah. and, you know, he's already investigating whether he knows that he's doing it or not. You know, like, yeah. He's just interesting that way. Yeah, there is this moment where they're all going up to the room and Hellboy kind of lingers behind a little bit and he catches the father just watching him mm-hmm. from this doorway. Yeah. That's really creepy. That is an excellent. I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought that up and pointed that out because that's that's the Hellboy feel that we're all used to is when he's wandering around, yeah. observing shit. That's how he does his investigating. He's the world's <laughs> best paranormal investigator. You're right. He's a detective. Uh, I think a more accurate description would be the most indestructible. Okay. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair play. He's the best because he's survived enough cases. <laughs> he's. A, <yeah. laughs> He's the best because he's literally the only one who can physically take, right, <laughs> take yeah. the punishment. Yeah. As the old woman leads them, she won't talk about the mission. Not until the next day. She also mentions that she didn't expect a woman agent. I thought that was an interesting detail, okay. right? So Zhang will have to take Olavo's room. The other four, you have these two rooms here. Good night, she says. <laughs> <laughs> I love that too. And they all just kind of look at each other, this bottom panel where they're just kind of like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Well, that's what he says. What was all that? <laughs> Amzel says, she's so scared she won't talk about it while it's dark. Is she scared or just real irritated? Right. <laughs> Can't tell. So we're getting the idea that whatever this thing is they're there to investigate only comes out at night. Well, he's like, ah, oh, I guess we just have to look around. Like, he's ready to go. He's ready yeah. to do it, right? Yep. Rain it in. Sonny Stegner says, we actually are pretty tired. The, the humans, humans among, among us. us anyway. And so Ugh. Archie sticks up for him. He's like, all right, enough of that Ugh, crap. A little comment. A little shitty comment. <laughs> and then Stegner says again, I'm, he knows I'm kidding. That's the same thing he said to Broom. I feel like that's the, that's the excuse that dickheads move a lot of time yeah. use a lot of times they're like oh i'm just kidding what you can't take a joke he, oh he doesn't care do you and then now that's like the pressure's on you to be like oh yeah i guess not because then if you say yeah actually i do kind of mind then you look like a fucking asshole when that yeah, guy's Stegner the fucking asshole Stegner doesn't consider the weight of his words yeah. no yeah, yeah no. you're right at the same time i can't help whenever i think of him i i always think of that moment in uh bprd vampire where you know like it's after Hellboy's had his horns cut off and they're just starting to grow back and everything. And he's holding onto his hand and walking through the BPRD. So it's oh, like, I know there's a relationship there, yeah. but he can be a bit of a dick. Yeah. No, you're yeah. right. I forgot about that. Thank you for pointing that out. Well, so Archie's like, oh, well, if he doesn't mind, that makes him a better man than me because I've had it up to here with your shit. And then she's just like, okay, that's enough. Right. But it's kind of like, I don't know. That seems like a productive conversation that you should really let them talk about. (laughs) I don't like this whole, oh, both of you are arguing. So you're both in the wrong. It's like, no, actually, I think y'all should let them hash this out. This seems like an important conversation. I, I hate it when people interrupt 
something like that. Like that actually seems like that's stuff that needs to be said. And right, then everyone's right. like, oh, enough of this arguing. I don't care. <laughs> Both sides. Like, really? Is it? Mm. Or should is this something they should figure out? Because it seems well, like to work as a team together, right. they need to figure out if the ribbing is actually something he cares about or if it's something he should knock it off or like, you know, cause they're a unit. Like they should be right. figuring well, this out. Well, I think it's, you know, she sums it up when she says like everybody's tired cause they've been on the plane. That is and, true. Right, right. Right. Okay. And so when you know, when you're tired, you're yeah. a lot more irritable. Point and, well taken. Yeah. So you think they should sleep on it yeah. and just leave that for later. Maybe, right. maybe wake up in the morning and be like over coffee. Like, sorry. Yeah. No, sorry about that. that. <laughs> okay. So she's, she's trying to also, do the thing the where she's like the- in the middle of the night. Every word you're saying can be heard by people downstairs. There you go. That's true. So she's trying to diffuse it and wait until cooler heads prevail and everyone's had some sleep yeah. over some breakfast. Maybe be like, hey, sorry, I was being a dick kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. And yeah. that might even be. Uh, a, a way to keep the unit together is sure. like maybe we don't talk about this right now. I can see that. Yeah. I can see yeah. that as a yeah. That's a, that's a viable solution as well. And just like Mark said, we do see that Isadora and Alavo are listening to everything they're saying from downstairs. So then we cut to this scene with Father Augusto and Isadora, and he's like, "Oh, you brought them here, this and that." And she's like, "I'm the only one doing shit about this." She's like, <laughs> "All you're doing is getting drunk or whatever." She says, "They're here to help. They came all the way from the states." You just hid in your church from across the street. And she's like, yes, I called them. These are the kind of people that deal with these things. Or are you too drunk to face the darkness? As he's leaving, she tells him, go ask God's forgiveness. And if he won't give it to you, then your kachaka will. Yes. <laughs> I loved how she just didn't take no shit from him. I know. Really? I did like that scene, really? too. He's especially like, for 1952, right? Yeah. Yep. I found this on Eater.com. If Mexico has tequila... America has bourbon and Russia has vodka, then Kachaka is the spirit of Brazil. All right. I want to try it now. <laughs> a spicy, sweet, and fruity, clear liqueur distilled from fermented sugarcane juice. Oh, Kachaka must, by law, be produced in Brazil and contain alcohol by volume of 38 to 48%. Nice. It used to be called Brazilian rum, but as of 2013, it's called Kachaka because it would get mixed up with other okay, Caribbean yeah, rum, yeah. rums and stuff like that. No, you know, you say it's more like rum. I'm like, no, nah, I don't like rum. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass. <laughs> well, it's, it's made from uh, sugar cane, so that's that's what that all is, mm. yeah. is made from, right? I or, guess. Give us a hey, you damn guys. Have a, you ever drank this stuff? Guys. <laughs> Talk about Kachaka. Are we saying it right? Yeah. <laughs> and we're probably not. <laughs> um, but I do want to point out this little detail. So on this next panel where we see Olavo and Father Augusto walking off, this little thing that they did on the moon here. Yeah. That little texturing there. I was oh, like, I couldn't stop looking at mm. that. I was like, wow, how did they do that? That is so amazing. I just love that little detail right That's there. That's Dave Stewart, man. Yeah. I love that. And I love this panel of Hellboy smoking in the window, right? And he's like, he's trying to talk to Archie. They're like, sorry, pal, Archie's asleep. You're going to have to talk to him in the a.m. And he's just there smoking. He can't sleep. He's too wired up from the mission, right? Well, he's still, you know, doing his thing, watching and listening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that one, uh, on that one story where he was in the plane, which one was that? Where he was like, I don't sleep. So he doesn't really sleep oh. much, I guess. He doesn't need very much rest, I guess. Oh, no. You know what it was? It's not canon. It was the Hellboy Batman Starman. That's what I'm thinking. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. But when Chapter 2 opens, I just love these panels by Maliv and Stewart. They're so beautiful as we open this scene. But we it looks like Hellboy did go to sleep after all. Yeah. Or at least he laid down. 
Yeah. And we also see Olavo, and he's in, like, the whole altar boy robes, and Father Augusto's in all his priest gear, and so here he's speaking Latin from Luke 11.14. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, by Beelzebu, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? Lord, hear my prayer. So that's what he's saying through this whole thing as he's walking up with Augusto and they're walking up towards this graveyard that's in front of that scary fortress. Father Augusto and Olavo, they approach the cemetery. The father's prayers have shown him that the creature will return to rest. And so he wants to see which plot it takes. I guess it sleeps in the cemetery or he thinks it's going to sleep there. And then... When he sees where it goes at night, then he'll destroy it in the morning. It also seems like the old crone, Isadora, got to him by calling him a coward in the earlier scene. A coward when victory over Satan over all was mine to have if I would only see it. He's telling Olavo that the cross will keep them safe. And just then he's like, don't be afraid, you'll be safe. And then the creature starts growling. They look up and they see it sitting on this cross. Yeah, that's a funky looking little dude. <laughs> the creature? Yeah. Right. It's got like this, uh, it's kind of like this white haired monkey looking thing, right? And then it jumps down from the cross at Father Augusto. And then we cut to the agents and Isadora. They all hear somebody scream out. We cut to the morning and the agents find the father dead. His throat is slashed and the kid is missing. Isadora is there too, and she blames herself, but Stegner just wants her to stop jabbering. He also says he thought Hellboy would have a stronger stomach, because Hellboy's like hanging out in the back. Archie tries to stick up for him again, but Stegner says, what's he waiting for? Someone to hand him a manual? Well, I mean, it is his first I mission. I think that's a bit of uh, Stegner's resentment coming in, because I mean, remember he was in 1947, he was thrown into the middle of, you know, like a mission oh. he was so not prepared for. Oh, yeah, you're right. And, right I, about I, that. and, and yeah. he does hold a grudge on that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He totally does. Amzel, he finds a lava hiding off to the side, and he's covered in blood and in shock, but he doesn't look hurt. They ask Hellboy to take him back to town. Me? Why me? Hellboy asks. But Archie just, like, gives him a look. And then he's like, yeah, okay, fine. Let's go, Olavo. I'll take care of you. I feel like when he asked him... To I take... love that moment. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like when he asked him um, to take him back to town, you know, he was, like, telling, like, his member of his team to take him back to town. And Hellboy's first response is, like, talking to his friend. But why am I got to do it? Right. And he's like, oh, wait, right. I'm on the team now. Exactly. And I think that that's, a, that's that little look that Archie gives him right there. Like, yeah. hey, you know, yeah. try to be a professional or whatever. I'm sticking up for you this whole time. This also uh, sets up uh, something that will become one of Hellboy's most defining characteristics. Yeah. Which is that he is excellent with children. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. And he's only seven right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And all this is really beautifully illustrated. I love the pacing on this as Hellboy is walking down this hill. And then Agent Jiang, she turns to look at the cross. This is the one that the monster was sitting on. And she touches it. And so we get this one panel in the middle that has just a totally green background. It really stands out 
against the rest of the panels. And Zhang reels back. What was that uh, all about? She, she exclaims, Jesus. Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure she just has a religious experience. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so she's like, I'm not sure. We hear this one voice. Has it happened again? We see this guy in a suit and a hat. He's named Sergio Vega. And he owns the fortress up the hill where they're shooting the movies. He says he knows others think it's haunted. And it's expected with all the murders. But it's ridiculous. If you would like to see for yourself how harmless, and Stegner's like, yeah, I'll take you up on that. Great. Let's roll out the spook castle. But then Vega's like, oh, I didn't expect to show it so soon, and my driver's all weird. He only tolerates me and all this weird stuff, right? Don't be invited if you're not prepared. <laughs> yeah. And so the agents are like, we'll walk. It's not that far. On this next page, we have these three panels at the top, so I just really like the pacing here, because first we see the cross where Father Augusto was killed. I guess they're getting ready to bag him up. Then we cut to the crucifix in the church, and then we cut to the pew where Olavo is sleeping. And I just really like that transition. I feel like that's a very cinematic pacing right there. In the church, we see Hellboy and Isadora, and she's she's really happy that Olavo fell asleep. Don't you think that's a good sign, she says, at least till the doctor can be reached. Father Augusto was a drunk and a fool, but he did love Olavo, she says. I think maybe up there in the end, he protected the boy. I found a bit of kachaka. I could use some, she says. Have you ever had it? First time for everything, Hellboy oh, says. Man. And then they cheer, and, and Hellboy's got the whole bottle in his hand. So, so is this his first drink? I don't know. Is <laughs> it? I, I thought maybe he was saying, like, I've never had this before. But No, maybe no, I could... know. Well, I know he's never had that before, and I know that's what he's saying. But I'm asking, is this his first drink? <laughs> I don't know. I really oh, don't. Weird. Yeah, but I really like that how he's like, I'm just going to hang out here and yeah. hey, might as well get drunk, right? Back with Sergio Vega and his fortress. He's trying to impress the agents talking about his latest movie, Hurricane Ortiz. I couldn't find a reference to that or anything. He says they'll be impressed by his soundstage. Actually, we won't, Jiang says. She says they'll have to come back because Bob needs to help with the crime scene. And I love the reactions in the back, right? Archie turns to look at Stegner and Stegner's like, what? He's got that question mark over his head. And so they start walking away. Vega's like, oh, well, whenever you like. And as they walk away, they're like, what's with you? She's like, just trust me and keep walking. As they walk away, a creepy Portuguese voice from within the fortress Thank you, Clem Robbins. We can tell that it's a creepy Portuguese yeah. voice based on the word balloon. Yeah. It says, you let them go. What else could I do? Vega responds. And so when they get back to Amsel, he's like, why are you back so early? Agent Zhang had to write in her diary or powder her nose. I don't know, really. She won't tell us, Degner says. What is that about? And Zhang says, there's something wrong here. Not the murders exactly. There's a lot more going on. This is, a, I, I like that little note there just because, like, um, we're getting a sense of, like, uh, what it's like for her because she's a Chinese-American woman yeah. in uh, an American government agency in the 1950s. Yeah. Yeah. yeah apparently it sucked a lot. <laughs> they're just, they're going to dismiss her a lot. Yeah, that's fucked yeah. up. They didn't even have a room for her or anything either. Especially because, like, you know, it's going to be that, like, if she can't explicitly say what's going on. Because at the moment she's getting uh, some kind of supernatural feeling. But they're just going to dismiss that as, oh, she's, you know, she's got a feeling. Right, right. Oh, right. Back at the church, Hellboy's drinking with the old lady Isadora, and they're talking about when priests refereed boxing matches. <laughs> <laughs> Men of God, yes. 
but men all the same, she says. <laughs> and I tried to research that, too. I couldn't really find any reference of that. I did find, like, there's a large association with Catholicism and boxing. Yeah. And stuff like that. And so I guess it probably has happened where they're priests. But I couldn't find, like, specific so instances. this is... Back in high school, I had some friends that went to a Jesuit school. So, like, uh, one day, the, one these two boys got into a fucking fight, and they were like, and so the, <laughs> I won't say his name because he's like he was a very popular guy, but he was a Jesuit dude, a priest. Yeah, father. Uh, well, father something so and so. He very quietly went and said, "Come with me," and they were like, "Oh shit, we're in trouble." He took them to a boxing ring that they had on campus in the gym. And put gloves on them and said, okay. And he took his fucking jacket off. He left his collar on, took his jacket off. And he was going to like, I will referee this fight. And they were like, uh. And he was like, I'm the referee now. You have to fight now. And they were like, nah, nah. We're not going to do that. No, no, it's fine. And so he was like, okay then. And that was it. Wow, so you could have actually seen Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Of... Is like this was like a thing. Like I I totally believe this. Okay. I believe that this was a thing because wow. I fucking this was like a huge be like, "Oh, could you believe that that happened?" Oh my god. But like, yeah, I'm sure it, I'm sure it's happened a lot to wow. him. I'm sure that in his career he has done so that the first time so that many times, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So like, yeah, that was just a very interesting Amazing. way for him to Get them to shut the fuck up and settle down, I think. <laughs> Thanks for including that. Yeah, 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 So, anyway. He was a man of God, but a man all the same. Oh, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Isadora, you know, maybe it's the Kachaka talking, but she feels bad about Father Augusto. Hellboy says, whatever she said got him moving. But she says that's what she thought, but it was really Hellboy. Seeing something that looked like him doing what he couldn't, that's what did it, she says. And then she's like, and exactly what are you anyway? That's a great time for him to like hear something or for something to happen, right? So they don't have to have that conversation. But I do like that, how they're just kind of hanging out. And then as an afterthought, she's like, oh, and what's your story after all? Why are you like a big red demon guy with a giant (laughs) hand? (laughs) She's very chill about it, though, which is cool. I felt like she wasn't like asking like as a, what are you? It was more like a. Hey, so what's your deal? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Hellboy hears something. He starts looking around. I love this bottom panel that Maliv did with Hellboy there, just like kind of investigating, I guess. And then he sees that evil creature lurking in the background, hanging on a chandelier. Hellboy orders Isidore and Alavo to go, and just then the creature leaps down at him. And so they have a great battle here, right? It's like thrashing around. Hellboy's punching it into the pews. And so this creature here, we get like a better look at it. It has like this kind of yellow face with red eyes, this white mane, and then it has like these giant tusks, teeth kind of coming out. Yeah. Almost like fangs. Right. Right. And as they're fighting, Isadora says, Unchunga, from the Encyclopedia of Spirits and Ghosts in World Mythology by Teresa Bain. In Brazilian mythology, the Achunga were believed to be formless, hairy, invisible demons or ghosts of deceased humans who visited shamans in their dreams to assist them with difficult matters while they slept. Oh, tight. There are stories of them being mischievous, like moving a child from its hammock and then calling out to the mother for help. And then when the mother appears and she hits the monster, she really hits the kid. Oh, no. Oh, shit. Which I think is a hilarious prank. For- <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 
I, I don't know if the kid would agree. <laughs> <laughs> like, at most, the mom is just going to slap the kid, right? And then she'll be like, oh, I don't God. know. If you saw a monster, would you slap it oh. or would you shoot to kill? Okay, like, maybe. Well, well, this is Texas, so you never know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, if you're going to hit a monster, you're going to hit that monster. You might be going at it with a baseball bat yeah. or a knife is what you're saying. Okay. It said hit in the thing, so I oh, thought that right. made me laugh anyway. Like, naughty monster. <laughs> Anyway, this is a much different interpretation of the Unchunga. Whatever the hell it is, Hellboy says, it feels real enough to stop a bullet. And of course, he totally oh. misses as he tries to shoot at Aww. it, right? <laughs> yeah, he's way off. <laughs> he's not a, a great shot, oh, yeah. though, historically, is he? No. no. He's a terrible shot. <laughs> <laughs> but again, he I just... also hate guns. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just love all this action by Malieve as they're battling... And the creature jumps at Hellboy. The flames from the candle are kind of going out of the panel and stuff like that. I really like yeah, that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And so the agents hear the gunfire from Hellboy shooting. And they're like, what is that? That's got to be Hellboy. Hellboy's punching off the monster with the right hand of doom. And he's like, damn it, lady. I told you to run. And Isadora's calling for help, holding on to the kid. Isadora runs out and calls at the agents. And we're like cutting back and forth between the agents and Hellboy. Inside, the Unchunga rips at Hellboy's shirt and kicks over a nearby cross. And I love outside, the kid, like, hugs Stegner. He's like, don't let him get me. Stegner's like, hey, hold on a second. (laughs) Inside, Hellboy's getting stomped by the monster. And this action has just been really great. It, like, kind of growls in his face. And we can see all the, like, drool and all that stuff coming down onto Hellboy. The agents finally get in. And they all start shooting at the Unchunga, and it dodges all their bullets and jumps out the window. The action and the pacing are so good in this scene. I really enjoy that. I feel like he was able to dodge the bullets because they were trying to be careful not to hit Hellboy. Right, yeah, exactly. They shot a little high, probably. Back with Stegner and Olavo still hugging on him. Don't let him. It's okay. It's okay, boy, Stegner says. I've got you. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what you want to say. (laughs) As the team gather outside... Hellboy's ready to go. He's like, let's get that freak. I'll go this way. The rest of you go that way. And he just starts running off. But Amsel goes after him, telling Archie that he'll have Hellboy's back. And Zhang is like, yeah, just let him go, Archie. But he's hurt, Archie says. I like Aww. that little moment where he's like concerned about Hellboy. But Zhang says, it's not bad. And he's right. They have better chances if they split up. And as they're walking off, we see the evil Unchunga watching them and growling. So the design reminds me of something that that old school type of animation, Thundar the Barbarian and okay. all that type yeah, of yeah. stuff. Oh like, yeah, that was good stuff. Yeah, you know I mean like that that kind of old school animation look, it just reminds me of a character design you would see from like Hanna-Barbera. Well yeah, and this is like in 1950s, so yeah, yeah that kind of fits with that. I like that. We see Amsel chasing after Hellboy and he's like, hold on a second. I saw him go in there. He points to the doorway, and Hellboy's like, he's going to go in and check it out. And then so when he goes in there, Amsel, he pulls out a grenade, and then he tosses it in the room with Hellboy. Jeez. And then the issue ends. I was like, oh, that's such an abrupt ending. I actually had to check the issue. I was like, is there a page missing in this trade or whatever? But no, that's how it ends. It's such a little cliffhanger there. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I kind of felt the same way when I was reading you it also last get to night. See his boots. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, we do yeah, get to like see his he, boots. He's wearing human boots at the moment. He hasn't um, graduated to uh, his specialty ones. Right, the little spats. Yeah, he's still wearing the boots. Yeah, good detail there, Mark. This whole scene though is just kind of like you know he's he's you're like okay this guy's kind of protect uh, Hellboy. He said he watches back, and then Hellboy goes, "Hey, do you got a flashlight?" And he just throws a grenade at him. Yeah, that's I'm so messed like, up. What the? I was just like, you dude, I want, I'm gonna fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> I love this chapter three cover with Hellboy. Um, bird. Yeah, the macaw the parrot. Macaw, yeah. yeah, flying through the air. And then we see this alligator with the skeleton below. Just an amazing image by Malieve and Stewart. We pick up at this grenade moment. Hellboy's like, son of a. And then there's this huge explosion. Here's a scene Matt would like. Oh, the, right, the yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> mad. Yeah, he likes that little snap panel. Oh, but the way that Alex Malieve draws his eyes when he says that son of a... Oh, it's yeah, it's like a good panel. The whole... I love the... I want to point out, like, in the boom, and, like, this is something we've been seeing a little bit of, but I haven't really mentioned it. Just look at, like, the corner of the B down the bottom or, like, the inner parts of the O and everything, how, like, the line isn't an even thickness all the way around. It's got, like, little bits of wibbliness in it. So yeah. this is this would have been done on a computer, and that's that's had to be put in there manually because you know Clem Robbins wants it to pop off the art, but at the same time sit in with it. Yeah, you know, he's um, gone to that extra bit of trouble. Yeah, like that. that is such a great detail. Yeah, I can definitely see it's like done, the. Man, I didn't even notice it's that. that more when you go back out. to older books and you look at. The lettering where it's like more rigid. Yeah, right. Yeah, I didn't even notice until you pointed it out. But yeah, it does. It does make it fit much better. Yeah, that is so awesome. Yeah, shout out to Clem Robbins whenever we can. Archie and Zhang they see the explosion and the creature sees it as well. I said that's one hell of an explosion from a grenade. Yeah, Yeah, really. (laughs) I've watched enough MythBusters to know that they don't really do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe it was one of those. it's a special one. Oh, that's right. A, he did talk to Frost yeah. earlier. Oh, right. Yeah. Archie and Zhang, they run at Amsel and ask him about Hellboy. Amsel says Hellboy went ahead of him and he had a grenade. Who the hell gave him that? Archie says, well, he can explain it to me when I find him. And Zhang is like, you can't go in there. We'll find him. But and then suddenly that Unchunga jumps was, out again. Actually, this was a good moment here where um, we've got Archie saying, he can explain it when I find him, and uh, Robert's going, find him? Because, like, he knows that he just lobs that bomb at Hellboy, and Hellboy's dead, yeah. you know, from his point of view. Whereas, like, you know, um, Archie thinks, he like, Hellboy's had the bomb, and he's thrown it and used it. And he, so he's fully, oh, just, like, you know, like, right. he thinks Hellboy's alive. Because from Archie's point of view, he's seen this before, too, because... He's seen Hellboy in 1949 nick a gun when he should have and step in. But he trusts his instincts because he knows that that was a good instinct to have in 1949 as well. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, that's that's amazing. You're pointing out so much. Yeah. I love how you are able to pull in like the history of the other stories and remind us of the other experience that the characters have had. That's so important. Yeah, I just love that they're like you know uh, John O'Keefe and um, Mike Mignola are so consistent with that stuff. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, it's actually really kind of nice because like a lot of times you'll see these long form stories and. They're not consistent no, from yeah. story to story. We're not even from month to month. Now, yeah. John Arcudi is a good, uh, what do they call it, continuity 
Editor, yeah, I yeah. Guess. Well, yeah. they got Scott Alley helping out in there too. Oh, right, I'm right, sure right. He yeah, has a bulk of it. Oh, yeah. Scott Alley um, was like he tracks this stuff. So yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. That's right. They hear this growling sound as they're inspecting the rubble, and suddenly that Unchunga comes down and jumps at them, slashing at Zhang. And so we have this amazing action moment here. The pacing is so good. So we mentioned earlier, like Zhang is getting a bunch of shit throughout this whole series but here she like is that like a flare jumping into action i was like something? Is she holding a torch or something <laughs> yeah she i thought it was like maybe a flare or something and she kind of hits the sense. monster with it right. and then the pacing is so good as you turn the page because she's pulling at her gun and then she just shoots straight at it oh i love that scene because she's like wham in the same motion she's pulling out her gun and then bam 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 that's what right. he just said i know but i'm describing <laughs> it with my sound effects <laughs> And so the the monster kind of lingers there. This is just a great page. I love the pacing on this before it kind of falls down dead. And so Archie's like, all right, let's make sure it's dead first because she's going to like check it out. And then it opens its eyes and it grabs that Jiang. It holds her wrist. And then so when it does, she has another vision like she did when she touched that cross. Nice. It's all kind of in that green color image there's a huge color shift while this is going on and then we hear all this like cthulhu kind of lovecraftian language we see that evil fortress and there's kind of all this green energy emanating from within it and then we also see this image it looks like a church or something and there's like an evil priest saying all this cthulhu language or whatever and then there's this creature like a statue kind of like cthulhu looking thing and so yeah we've seen uh, that before we have right so just recently is this the same thing from tony masso yeah yeah um so we've seen it in uh, tony masso's finest hour we've also seen it in Witchfinder in a short story called beware the ape yeah beware the ape and then that was that one where that monkey touched it and then its eyes turned green and it went all crazed right yeah yeah <laughs> So, uh, yeah, they're setting something up here. And so we even zoom in on this creature with its many green eyes or whatever. There's kind of like some sort of green goop coming out of it. It's a very horrific moment as it just kind of zooms in. And we're still hearing this Lovecraftian language. All this is kind of going on within Zhang as she as the creature grabbed her. So what do we know about her? I mean, is she a psychic? I mean, do we know this or anything? Or is it just a coincidence? We don't know this. Like, we're discovering it, basically, in this book on right, these pages. Yeah. And I, I like that, because in a, in a very short space of time, we've seen what she brings to the team, you know, with her remaining level-headed in a, uh, an action situation, with her compassion when she's, like, uh, touching Archie on the shoulder and consoling him and stuff, then seeing her take down, you know, the thing that's attacking them in a really cool way. Like, I thought it was a great way to, like, kind of showcase this new character and say, okay, over these next four or five pages, you're going to see what this person brings to the team. Yeah. Suddenly she snaps out of her vision by the sound of gunfire. It's Amzo shooting the monster dead. She says something's up there. That fortress. Terrible. After Amzo shot the Anchunga, he goes over to inspect it. I'll be damned. It's a monkey. And so we reveal that the face and the hair of the Anchunga was actually just a mask underneath was a monkey with all these like mechanics and tubes coming out of its head. 
seeing this actually kind of made me feel sad for the monkey. Yeah. Because, I mean, a monkey is just a mm. monkey. and But it, now you know that this is a monkey that's been tortured and mutilated. And you see how it's even got, like, the nails drilled into the tips of his finger. Right. So we see that, too, that those yeah, claws horrible. This is yeah. horrible. have been, like, grafted onto it or bolted on somehow. Definitely not uh, okay. It went from being, like, a, like a little demon imp thing to, like, this poor, tortured creature. Right. And I was just like, oh, mm. And I still didn't pick up the fucking Von Klimp thing. Right, right. <laughs> no, if there was any uncertainty, it, by, by this point, I was like, yeah, it's definitely. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's really horrific, and it's just... It's really fucked up. I yeah, I did not linger yeah, on this page. So they wonder, you know, why would somebody create this thing just for this little town in Brazil? Zhang says it's not a science project. She felt that something is going on up in that fortress. That's where our trouble is, she says. And as they talk, they see Mr. Vega's driver coming up. And if I remember it right, Amsel says he's not too friendly. We see the driver coming up. And all his passengers, a horde of mechanical ape monsters. He's got a car full of monkeys. (laughs) I like how we just see the shadows behind him. That's a a great way to kind of reveal that. And then so this panel, as all the monkeys are exiting the vehicle, is just amazing. They're all screaming and brandishing knives. There are so many panels like this in the Mignolaverse that are terrifying, but they're also really kind of funny because they're just ludicrous to look at. Like, if I was in this situation, I'd be, like, shitting my pants, but, like, since I'm just looking at it, (laughs) I'm like, this is great. I love this panel of just all these monkeys screaming and brandishing knives, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, if you can can forget about the horrific torture part long enough to... Yes, no, yeah. (laughs) Damn, it's a whole gang of them, Archie says. And so they start shooting at all the monkeys. They go down pretty easy. And so the driver jumps out. Does he throw the car door? He sure looks like it. Yeah, it kind of looks like he does, right? He yells, you are dead. And suddenly a car approaches him. It's the kid, a lavel. The driver yells, the kid. That's what he says. Oh, okay. Before getting run over and crushed against the wall. Go, lava. Yeah, really. He came and saved the day at the last minute. I, I, I want to say it's because he loves Stegner so much. Aww. Remember when he was hugging on Stegner? <laughs> I have to think in my head, he's like, oh, no, they can't kill him. They can't hurt him. And Alava's was like, I heard the explosion. I tried to help. Stegner says the old lady's going to kill him when she sees the truck. But Amsel's like, look around. We got bigger problems now. And so I think this is the first time Stegner, like, he looks over, he sees... The driver, and we here we see the driver was experimented on, too. He's got those, like, bolt things coming oh, out of his geez. arms. He sees all the dead monkeys. He sees the dead Unchunga with the mass revealed. And Segner's like, whoa, what is all? Hey, where's the kid? Where's Hellboy? Amsel starts talking about the explosion. That was Hellboy. He had a grenade. I'm not sure how he got it. So he's trying to, like, use his cover-up story. He says they haven't recovered a body yet. But Archie's like, he's not dead. Zhang says they need to get to the fortress. She knows what's up with that place now. Something, a devil or I don't know, but something evil has been up there for a long time. Feeding, living on a hundred years of violence and torture, and whatever insane Frankenstein crap is going on up there right now is making it stronger. A lot stronger. 
We need to do something now before it spills out into the world, or it'll be too late for anybody to stop it. Segner's okay, like, what are you, yeah. Segner's like, what are you talking about? And Archie's just looking in that hole. I guess that's where the grenade went off. And they're like, Archie, no. But he starts. He just goes down there. He's going to go after Hellboy. Archie and the kid are tight. He's going to have to see it for himself, Stegner says, no matter how bad it is. And as Archie goes down there, we see a huge trail of blood going through the water. Very cool that y'all just give up on your fucking team member. Right. Well, Archie's going after him. And the other guy, he tried to murder him. He thinks he's dead. Right, yeah. (laughs) Ridiculous. These next four pages are my favorite. There are four of my favorite pages in this whole series. In the whole Mignolaverse, when I got to these four pages, I was just so blown away. But I I feel like this is like a little mini story within the story, just these four pages right here. I just really love the artwork by Maliv. We see that Hellboy's been taken by an alligator or something. Mm. And that's where that trail of blood is kind of weaving through the water. And the alligator is in this cave And, like, inside this cave, there's, like, a pillar of light coming in. Like, we've seen images like that. Have you ever seen images of these, like, kind of caves where they have this one opening? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really beautiful. The alligator, he approaches this man. He looks like he's native. You know, he's got, like, face paint and stuff like that. And the man calls the alligator Hapetequada. That is an old Indian who lives in the forest of Marajo Island. And that's in Brazil. An encanto, a living spirit, sometimes represented by shape-shifting animals. And I was trying to research that name, and I actually, it led me to a thread from the Hellboy forums, and guess who was writing about it? Who? Case. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So I was actually able to incorporate some of his, uh, some of his actual feedback into this episode, so that was really oh, nice to find that. Yeah. He's like... What is it you have there, and what are you going to do with it? I will eat part of it, the alligator says. The rest I think I might bury in a hole where it cannot cause any trouble. No, I don't think you should, the man says. You know what he is, the alligator says? I do. Then you know what will happen if he's allowed to continue on his way, the alligator says. He will bring the fire that will be the ending of us all. Not for a long time yet, the man says. But the end of the world, the alligator says. It's already done, the man says. It was written in the stars and in the roots of trees. It has been the beginning of the end of the world since the day he was born. And we get this one little image of that little hellboy that we saw earlier. You are a wise old man, and you see far, the man says. But can you see down all the years beyond the last day? We are dust, and he is the hope of the world to come. And then I just love this page. So the alligator just drops him. That's great. And he like splashes in the water. And then the man's just standing there. And the alligator just comes up and stands beside him. I just just love this. Yeah. It's amazing. Friendship. In the middle of this kind of grounded war story or whatever, Hellboy's first mission, there's this like mystical side thing that happens. It's always kind of been a part of his stories. Very appropriate, yeah. And I just really love this. It's my favorite part of this whole book. You can really feel Mignola's hand here. Because with this particular story, uh, he was heavily involved in, like, this was plotted by Mignola, and he did, uh, like, layouts. And, like, in this section in the sketchbook, you can see a lot of the layout stuff. Yeah, you're right. um, John Arcudi basically just came in to uh, write the dialogue at the end 
Um, wow. It was a, a very different kind of collaboration to the usual Interesting. one. Interesting. Yeah, and I just love these this scene with these two characters. Um, this is definitely one that you want to pull out the back issue trade, digital, whatever, and at least check out these four pages. I love this panel with Hapetokara where he's saying, you know what he is, and he's looking up. There's so much expression. Yeah, for an animal. On his face. Well, just like, it's just very... It I, gives it a lot of personality right there. It's really right beautiful, there. yeah. yeah. I, I just yeah. love the way he's looking up, and it's just very... Because he's pleading his case. He's like, don't you know, he means the end of the world, and you really see that expression yeah. in, a, in this animal. And yeah, and just... Exactly. And and just such a, it seems so effortless, but I know obviously that yeah. as an artist who is this good, it's taken so long to develop the skills to be able to yeah. communicate something like this. But he's looking up at his friend. Like you said, these, these pages really struck me. It was very, very, yeah. yeah. I kind of had to stop and just linger on these a little bit. Oh yeah, bit. big time. I think it also shows uh, Martignola's composition in terms of storytelling. Yes. And that, you know, uh, we read the way these characters speak to each other because of the way they're framed. Yeah. Um, not so much, you know, like there is a bit of body language, but it's also from the way they're framed. Where yeah. like the the alligator is always in darkness yeah. and talking about how they're going to, you know, the end, how we're going to be dragged down, and the other guy is framed against light. Yeah. And then at the end of it, after he's dropped her, where the alligator goes up and joins him at the light. Oh, Things like that. Yeah. That's beautiful. Really, that's really beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that because that's, yeah. The, I love that stuff because it affects you, you know, like on a subconscious level. You yeah. don't really notice it when you're reading it the first time, but you feel it. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So, yeah, the, the composition and the layout and then the pacing as well, too, is something that I think mm. adds a little bit to that. But, yeah, that's that's excellent. And then here comes Archie after the supernatural moment is over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Here, the human element comes back. It's very reminiscent to me of those scenes with Baba Yaga and Dagda and all the crew watching Hellboy from the elsewhere and all that stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Good. Yeah. And so Archie, he finds Hellboy. He's like, you're alive and bleeding like a stuck pig. Jesus, what were you doing running around with a grenade? And Hellboy's like, I didn't have one. Well, somebody sure did. And Bob said, and Hellboy's like, Bob, what Bob say? Hey, look, there's a way out. I'm like, no, I want you to tell him what happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. He didn't. Uh, I was I was disappointed that that didn't get followed up on. But he's like, hey, look. And we see this, the macaw flying out of the cave. Yeah. And so I was wondering, awesome. you know, they talked about that they're shapeshifters, the Encanto. So Yeah, that's the guy for sure. Is that the guy or did the alligator turn into now a parrot? Oh, I don't know. I, I think was that's wondering. The guy. I, was, I was wondering if it was the guy too, because he had that face paint or whatever too. I don't right? know. Well, I thought it was the guy myself. Well, why? Because he's on the cover too. Oh, so, right. They're both on the cover: the alligator and the parrot. So I wonder. Yeah. So yeah, that's both of them. Okay. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, but I love that too. That just that little detail yeah. that kind of there was something magical that happened. Absolutely, that was there. You know what I mean? It wasn't just uh, to Hellboy. It might have just seemed like a weird. <laughs> You know what I mean? He wasn't. He was all knocked out and bleeding. Maybe he didn't really know if that really happened. You well, know? and so the guy looks. I wonder if this is. Maybe this is just me reading too much into this. But he says, "Oh, hey, look, there's a way out." I wonder if the guy was like, "Okay, I don't want him to see me in this form. I'll turn into a parrot, and then he'll notice over here. Oh, like, because he'll yeah. notice me. I'm a." You know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's... Way out. I love that, though. I love well, that. Well, they don't take that way out because, like, he's like, I want this way. This is the way out. And Hellboy's like, no, this way. And right. And it goes a different direction. That's true. Yeah. And so it's like, Hellboy doesn't want to follow right, that mystic, I guess, mystic thread. I guess I don't know then. Hmm, that's interesting. Oh. 
they're like, holy, they come across this huge pile of just like oh, dead bodies God. or their remains or whatever. And it's underneath this grate. So it makes me think like they're throwing them down there or something like that from this grate from above. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. You know. And Archie's like, this was your idea, champ. Lead the way. Chapter four. Another great cover by Maliv. Oh, man. Was Dave Stewart doing the colors on the covers? Is Maliv doing this? Because this all looks like watercolor. I think that's Maliv. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Thank you for giving that piece of information. Yeah, I definitely want to credit him if he's doing the colors. Archie and Hellboy, they climb all the corpses. I mean, ugh, I'm surprised none of them made a comment like, oh, this is disgusting. Well... They, you saw them at the bottom, now they're at the top, so they probably had that on Oh, panel. yeah. <laughs> we missed that. We missed those panels, right? Missed all the panels of them slipping down, have to start uh, over again. All right. Hellboy makes it to the top of where that grate is. He pushes it to the side, and Archie's like, okay, see anything? Yep. Hellboy responds. And so this reveal, again, this is one of those reveals that's just so ludicrous and absurd so we see more of those monkeys they have those things sticking out of their heads and they're cutting apart bodies something like that right there's all these dead bodies on these operating tables it's just such a bizarre panel to kind of reveal to i'm sure that monkey in the front Mm, right there is smoking yes he's smoking (laughs) (laughs) that's not sanitary what the freaking more monkeys archie says more what do you mean more because hellboy missed out on that other stuff anyhow they won't slow us down and archie's like well don't be so sure hellboy's all ready to fight him but he's like remember that thing you fought back in the church it was one of these things he's like just let him go that's going to attract a lot of attention so i do like that too that archie's there to be like hey you know we don't have to fight everything exactly so they actually start doing some investigating they're looking around to try to see what's going on there with all these dead bodies and they notice that they're all like cut up and frankenstein together it's like that film director that vega guy it's like he opened a medical school for monkeys archie says (laughs) maybe hellboy says holy crap archie says and so we reveal there are all these bodies in like these stasis tubes and there's just rows and rows of them everywhere as I was looking at these tubes when I was reading the story, I was like sitting there thinking, where the hell do you buy tubes like this? In right. Bulk? <laughs> I mean, it, do, you, do you make them? Then it means you got to blow the glass. And then <laughs> I don't know. I was a little. Uh, you would have to own an entire manufacturing chain. Yeah. Like, right. From the start yeah. to finish the, the warehouses and everything. So now it goes back to where do you order them from in 1952? <laughs> I want to see Von Klemp making that phone call or trying right. to put that order in or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the... Yes. Do you manufacture giant tubes? <laughs> well, you, you have to fit an entire person in there. Uh, it... Yes, I'll hold. <laughs> But I also like how we. <laughs> I also like how um, this is kind of telling us too. Hellboy gets the holy crap from Archie. Oh, from oh, his yeah. friend. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's very cute. I feel like too. If you get to this moment, you should really be going. Oh man, this feels so 1946. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> we did. You're right. We did see those tubes. They had people in tubes also in that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's pulling the same stunt. Exactly. Yeah. There must be a hundred of them in here, Hellboy says. Maybe more, Archie says. As they inspect the tubes, they wonder where they're getting all the body parts from. These men are healthy. Archie suspects the Unchunga was just to get the locals to stay away. And Olavo said the fortress was once a prison, and the guards and the inmates were wiped out by the plague. 
Maybe not. And maybe all the graves outside are empty. And as they keep walking, they find more men, like, in frozen lockers, right? Yeah. And I love this part because Hellboy's like, hey, Archie, is this normal? Like, I mean, is this oh, what you man. guys do? <laughs> <laughs> and Archie says, I've never seen anything like it. But the professor, he mentioned something to me once. He saw it right after the war in Berlin. Men, or things anyway, in big tubes. And that's referencing BPRD 1946, where Von Klemp was trying to use the vampire Sturm to create this army of vampires. I love seeing uh, Hellboy as the rookie. Yeah, no, you're right. We've yeah. seen so many missions where he's training somebody or trying to show them the ropes. Yeah, right. Like when he was training Roger, he's like, you're going to want to you know, have this kind of jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Archie says Broom doesn't like to talk about that. And just then, they hear an axe sliding across the floor. That's not a monkey, Hellboy says. No, it sure ain't, Archie responds. And they see this one-armed, large, reanimated man with an axe coming at them. <laughs> I love that uh, that sound effect as it comes down on the right hand of Doom. Yeah, so the action here again <laughs> is so fluid. I really love the work by Maleev. The reanimated guy, he comes down on Archie with the axe and Hellboy blocks it with the right hand of Doom. And as he blocks it and the guy pulls the axe back, then it like hits one of those tubes. And then one of those dead Frankenstein guys falls out and falls on top of Archie. Archie tells Hellboy to get clear so he can get a shot. Hey! And then the guy that fell out of the tube, then he grabs at Archie's leg. So now he's got to wrestle that thing down. Where the hell's my gun, he says. And Hellboy's just punching this reanimated thing in the face with the right hand of doom. It's so awesome. He's like, looks like you got your own problems. And so again, he keeps blocking the axe with the stone hand. How many times I gotta hit you, Karloff? Don't you feel any pain? I doubt it, kid, Archie says. They're dead. Karloff is a reference to William Henry Pratt, better known by his stage name, Boris Karloff. He was an English actor who was primarily known for his roles in horror films. He played Frankenstein's monster and the mummy. And he also did the original voice of the Grinch in the animated special. Did you know I did that? Know, I did know that. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised to see that. Yeah, I love the little shout out to Karloff. So that's actually a really interesting thing because now we know that in the Hellboy universe, Karloff is a thing and he portrayed Frankenstein. Because oh, yeah. we, we meet Frankenstein in, uh, in 1956 in Hellboy in Mexico, which you've read. Hellboy meets the Frankenstein monster. So in their world, the Frankenstein story isn't like a fiction. It's based on a real thing that happened wow. that people know about. like Shelley's book is like, you know, historical fiction. Right, <laughs> right. Like oh, wow. The Boris Karloff movie is like a recreation of something that really happened. Oh, wow. Rather yeah, than a like, science fiction like, thing based on a true story. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> to think about. So, like, all these references to, you know, a Frankenstein school and everything, they're not just, like, throwing a name around. They're, like, talking about a historical guy that, you know, is fact. That's amazing. Wow. That's great to think about. Okay. So, now, this is the really cool thing. So, we know that uh, Frankenstein was, you know, brought together by electricity or lightning, but I mean, like, that's how Mary Shelley describes it. But we know that would have been real. Oh, yeah. Oh. You're right. That gives it a whole, that's like the Mignola twist on the story. So cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that, Mark. 
So as they're fighting, Hellboy kind of backs up against this big metal container. The reanimated guy, he swings the axe at it, and he almost hits it, and Hellboy's like, Benzin, that's what it says on the side. That's just a German word for gasoline. Damn, what are you trying to do? Start a fire? No thanks, Southpaw, Hellboy says. And so he, like, punches the reanimated monster through the wall. I really love that. I will always refer to them as a Frankenstein. A Frankenstein. (laughs) (laughs) And as they crash through the wall, he leaves the reanimated monster there and he's like, what? And then he comes across that weird Cthulhu thing, the same thing that we saw in Tony Masso's Finest Hour and Beware the Ape. Now Hellboy sees it here and he's like, this just gets weirder and weirder. (laughs) Again, we focus in on those many green eyes. Suddenly, the reanimated thing comes at Hellboy from behind, and he gets him in a one-arm chokehold. <laughs> oh, yeah. Almost forgot about you, Hellboy says. Getting tired, huh? Me too. And he punches it right into that Cthulhu monster thing, and it, like, the weird bulb head kind of, like, cracks. All that green goo starts going all over the guy. So are we done, Q-Ball, Hellboy says. <laughs> and Archie comes across them, too, and he's like, man, that green stuff stinks. You didn't get any on you, did you? And Hellboy's like, I don't think so. And then they just leave the guy there. Okay. So that's probably not good, right? Well, I mean, what else were they going to do with right? <laughs> And So I like this where Hellboy's like, hey, are you okay? And he's like, oh, sure. My guy, he wasn't as tough as yours. Not fully cooked, I guess. Damn head fell off. (laughs) And so all of a sudden, as they're talking, they hear like somebody talking over a loudspeaker. They hear all this talk about destiny becoming clear. We will preserve for the future this, the last best hope of man on earth. As they hear the loudspeaker, Archie and Hellboy, they kind of like go to check it out. And this guy is just going on. It is our intention to do away with the world order, rather. We shall... Make it finally work. Not work with us, but work for us. And of course we reveal... Oh, fucking Nazis. Herman von Klempt and the Nazis. Fucking Nazis. Where's a lobster when you need it? I know, right? And so we see these are the films that they're making. They're making these like propaganda films. They've got Herman von Klempt up there in front of this huge Nazi banner. And there are these two henchmen on either side of him. They kind of look like those guys that Hellboy fought in Batman, Starman, Hellboy. Remember? Oh, yeah. Those, those, not, those skinheads yeah. or whatever. That's what those henchmen kind of look like. They've really committed to those uh, tattoos there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where's a lobster when you need him? And Archie, he says exactly what Mark was talking about. Oh, man, of course. The tubes. The monsters. It's Von Klempt. And Hellboy's like, Von who? And then suddenly they get electrocuted. These are the powers that Von Klempt has with this new robot suit. He's able to, like, throw lightning at them or whatever. Is that entirely a robot? I get the feeling that it's also oh, you're partially right. yeah, Frankenstein yeah, situation. Exactly, yeah. When uh, Hellboy said Von who, the first thing I thought of was that one first story that he fights uh, Von Klempt in the jungle. That four-page story or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. So it was kind of cool to see, like, oh, shit, this is his first... Encounter right, with Von okay. yeah. yeah, that story uh, that's going to come up eventually. Um, that's also in the 1950s, and that is also in Brazil. Nice. And so after they've shocked him, he's talking about it dresses up in clothes, it talks, and it tries to pass itself off as a man. So 
what the fuck is it that you're doing exactly? Because right. it seems like you are also doing that, right. but that applies to you even more than it does it's like... to the person you're talking about, kind of projecting a little. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's a little, that's a little like, wait, who are you fucking talking yeah. to? Hold on a minute. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. Let me take a look a at yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you're made up of like a corpse and like some weird diver suit stuff. Like, right, I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand this. It's a devil here on Earth, because a Project Ragnarok and I can't believe it. So a cabal of half-wit astrologers, fortune tellers, they're getting together to do all this magic stuff, but I want to do science stuff. And I'm now he's mad about Rasputin, and he's talking about, oh, this guy is ridiculous. He thinks he's the murdered Russian monk Rasputin, but I think he's just full of crap. And so this, he, we get the flashback to the, uh, the a hinge. We weren't sure which hinge it was. Oh, okay. So thank you for that, by the way. Okay. We get an awesome flashback by Maliev to the Project Ragnarok experiment to bring Hellboy. That was on Targamont Island or something okay, like that. Yeah. Was that the yeah. name of it? Tamagrant or something? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. And You're in the neighborhood. I want to say that this page with Rasputin is an exact recreation of that page. Well, we were talking about, we were talking about mm. like, oh, the stuff that he gets to draw, like, oh, how cool would it be? Wouldn't you be psyched to get to draw this? He gets to draw this too. Like, this yeah. is so interesting. One thing I like is interesting is how um, we're getting this uh, little flashback from Von Klimt's rant. His, oh, his, yeah. His point of view. Yeah. Oh, right. And earlier in the story, we got Broom's uh, point of view from uh, meeting Pavar in oh, that dream yeah. kind of thing. Oh, That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. yeah. Really cool. Oh, and then you were also talking about like the different uh, <laughs> angle of Hellboy when he appeared. Right. And how right. you don't really get to see that a whole lot. But like it's cool when every artist draws it their own way and you've got a lot of different perspectives on that in general. Yeah. That's really cool. I also like the style of when the electricity is running through the weird glove, how it's kind of sketchy and oh, it's yeah. like pencil-y kind of. Almost. No, you're right. You're like right. That. There's so. also a, a great bit of like, you know, it's it's essentially a recap because Hellboy and the BPRD, this is the, the first series. And the idea was to introduce a new series that people who aren't up to date with all the years and years of Hellboy that had come before could just go in and and you, so yeah you're getting this bit of backstory about oh so this is how Hellboy came to earth and just kind of throw it in there as a way to be like yeah this guy's batshit insane here's him <laughs> ranting you know you get a sense of Von Klemp at the same time getting some necessary uh, information to kind of ground things right it also kind of shows just like Von Klemp and he thinks how he's smarter and better than everybody right yeah <laughs> you know? Oh, he's so mad at them. He's so mad yeah. that they did this, that they did this fucking magic thing. He can't stand it. He's like, but I want to assemble corpses and reanimate them. <laughs> Von Klemp says, Rasputin's plan weren't for the Reich. If Hitler and the others had listened to him, then the world would be a better place. Oh, but wow. he's not giving up. Death does not end hope. And so first he tried making this vampire army. Now he's making a super soldier army Just that on needs and on with no food, shit. no clothing, no bandages, no morphine, no rest. Ugh. Already ready to be put into action. Just like you said, Mark, this is the same, almost the exact same thing that he tried in 1946. It's just a different army. He's just pivoted to, like, Frankensteins instead of vampires. <laughs> Pretty much. And as he goes on, we see that he's actually just Snapchatting all these other Nazis guys who are watching him. <laughs> They're watching him on this big... I love the design of this thing that they're watching him on. I don't know yeah, what this weird. like weird circle thing. But they've also... you know, They're totally going to swipe left on this guy, right? <laughs> I've seen enough of this lunatic. 
I love the way you talk. You know, snap, yeah. Did you like my <laughs> Did you like my topical <laughs> references there? Oh, that was great. Even the other Nazis are like, I've had enough of this fucking shit. Get, get rid of this. Yeah, it was interesting, though, because um, around the time this book was coming out, we were starting to see, you know, like the resurgence of uh, Nazis in real life. Oh. And so, like, you can kind of see that, like, um, they have to be consistent with what's come before. But at the same time, like, there's this aspect of, like, just remember, Nazis are pathetic and make sure the reader knows it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Which is why I'm glad that you've had us reading all this Lobster Johnson lately, too. Oh, yeah. It ties it's really, into this well, yeah, yeah, it's very invigorating to we, see him absolutely beat the shit <laughs> out of piles of Nazis in various ways. And so some uh, some more great Chapter 5 art by Alex Maleev. And here, the Von Klemp design kind of reminds me of Krang from the Ninja Turtles. Remember oh, yeah. Krang? Yeah, yeah it kind of yeah. reminded me of that. Oh. But I do want to talk about, are you looking at the trademark or are you looking at the issues? Yeah, uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm looking at the trade. I don't uh, get the singles, except like as I, I was writing Hell Notes at the time, so they'd send me a uh, preview oh, nice. about two months before they came out, um, which that's such a weird experience. Like on paper, you think, oh, yeah, you get the issues early. That's going to be fun. It's really not. <laughs> uh, it ends up being this weird situation where you basically feel cut off from the rest of the community because what you're engaging with is not what they're engaging oh, with. Oh, right. It's, it's very isolated. And and so much of but what's anyway. been great about this is getting all the feedback and getting all and gain all the information from everybody else. And so, yeah, that must yeah, be a so lonely experience. Like, you know, the, this podcast, like it, it gets me to engage in that side of the stuff that I was missing at the time when this was coming out. Yeah, me too. Totally. But the reason why I asked you if you had the trade is because there's some amazing chapter break art right here where they just have this one panel of the monkey that's smoking. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love yeah, that. Yeah, they always like, pick these nice snippets from the comics of the chapter break stuff. It's great. Yeah, they always pick cool ones, but that one is just great. I really love that. Anyway, we open on the fortress and we see the monster. It's got all that green goo coming out of it and going all over the reanimated guy from the last issue. And we see the monkeys and that one is smoking, the one right in the front. And all of a sudden, the reanimated guy reanimates. Ah. He's all evil now. He's all evil again. <laughs> Something like that. Over with Von Klempt, they realize they've been disconnected. I love the look on his face where he's like, what? Uh. The receiver on the other end has been shut down. They fucking Vega hung says. up on us. <laughs> shut down the fools. Don't they know what I offer? And Hellboy's just losing his shit right here. On like, you know, you say rolling on the floor, <laughs> yeah. laughing. Like that's exactly what he's doing. <laughs> he's rough walling it up. I kind of feel bad just because, like, you know, Hellboy's just regaining consciousness now, and I don't know how much German he can understand anyway. But he can clearly understand a bit. But just like. If only he'd been able to hear all that stuff about Rasputin and everything. Man, that would have answered so many questions. Oh, yeah. right. He oh, missed that. No. You're right. Wow. That is so convenient. It's like when Scully comes right after the supernatural stuff is over, right on right. the X-Files or whatever. They did start speaking in English again, it looks like, because those little brackets are gone. Right, right. So he does know at least what's happening there. But yeah, like you said, he wouldn't have understood... I guess what they were talking about before. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that is so wow. What a what a geez. He just barely missed Golly. it. 
Hellboy says, They know, all right, an army of goose-stepping zombies. You're too crazy even for some crackpot Nazi holdout. How's that feel? Burn. And then <laughs> Von Klemp just shocks him again. Worth it to get a jab in at a Nazi. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Honestly. But he's like, oh, well, I could still execute him on camera. You know, let's still record it. And so as he goes to shock Hellboy, all of a sudden, Hellboy grabs his hand. And they start going at it. We also are cutting back and forth between that reanimated guy that's kind of like coming back with that green goo. I can't help thinking how like uh, empowering this must have been for Hellboy because like he got blown up by a grenade earlier in this story. And that would have been the first time he kind of went, holy crap, I'm kind of tough. And then, you know, like then he gets electrocuted. He's like, whoa, I can take a shock. Yeah, yeah. He's like. You can see him basically like getting all this confidence in this part of the story because suddenly he's like, yeah, I can handle this. Yeah, you're right. He realizes that he can grab Von Klemp while he's trying to electrocute them. Yeah. And so Archie wakes up and he sees the Von Klemp henchmen they're holding Hellboy for him to electrocute, I guess. And so Von Klemp, in his anger, he just like shocks all of them, Hellboy and the two henchmen. From behind him... Um, I love this pacing right here, right? So Archie gets up behind him, and we think like, oh, Archie's going to save the day, right? But then we hear the, also this loud screeching sound, and he's like, what is that? And then all of a sudden, so amazing, right? Jeez. The floor breaks open, this giant hand grabs Von Klempt. That's that reanimated guy that got mutated by the goo. Now he's he's become this giant hulking thing. And he's grabbed Von Klempt and he just like roars as he emerges from the floor below. I really like how, once again, um, Clem Robbins, he, he's uh, doing death with the sounds. It, it's sort of, um, when you have the elements overlapping like that and sitting behind it, just it makes you feel yeah. the, the space of the sound, if that makes sense. You know, uh, I, I just like it when they, because, you know, they don't have to do that. He could have just stuck that on top. But he goes to the trouble of putting it behind a few things to kind of give you a sense of the, the volume of the sound, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it, it's just such an expressive way to do these sound effects or the lettering. It really makes it so artful. I think this is so funny when the monster grabs Von Klempt. He's like, oh, I can't break free. Very well. He just... The head just detaches from the thing and starts going off. And so Hellboy's like, hard to tell whose side you're on, big guy. And he just goes at the monster. Just like Mark was saying, here he's got all his confidence now, right? He knows that he can just jump into this thing and start beating it. And we get right hand of doom boom number 36. We haven't had one in a while, not since Hellboy in Hell about five months ago as Hellboy punches at this giant monster. Has it been that long? Oh, yeah, it depends on your perspective, too. I mean, is, is this number, uh, what was it? Did you say 36? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, or is this number one? Oh, oh, or is it? Yeah, you're right. You're right. This is first boom. Um, chronologically, I honestly don't know. No, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right, because in the Midnight Circus, there was a right hand of doom, bam, but it wasn't mm. a boom yet. <laughs> he hadn't grown into the boom yet. Yeah. I like how as the creature gets bigger, it starts mutating, and it starts taking on the eyes, and it's like becoming a oh, living yeah. embodiment of that statue. You're right. It's kind of yeah. like mutating in of itself. Yeah, it's giving us a lot of hints about what this thing really is. Yeah, these are the same kind of things that we're going to see on Hell on Earth. We've got the mist and all this other kind of stuff. So, yeah. Down below, Archie is fighting off some more of these reanimated henchmen. And Hellboy gets grabbed by one of the tentacles and pulled into the monster. 
And wouldn't you know it, those darn monkeys just partying with cigarettes. Okay. <laughs> Isn't it the axe that's uh, caused the, the Oh, rupture? is it the axe? I thought yeah. it was like a lever or something. No, but you're right. You're right. That's the axe from that. Still, it's quite the deus ex monkin, huh? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm not um, sorry. But yeah, this is great pacing too as the monkey, the cigarette falls out of the mouth and of course it hits the gasoline below and then there's this huge explosion. Hellboy gets thrown into the air. It finally separates itself from the monster that was pulling it in and the whole floor starts collapsing. And so those two henchmen go down into the pit where that monster is and Archie just narrowly avoids falling in there. He's just like Jesus as he's left there with his giant hole in the ground. The monster and the henchmen have all gone down in there. And then he's just like sitting there. This one monkey comes oh, no. over and it takes Von Clem's oh, head no. and just kind of looks at Archie and it just runs off. And Archie's like, fine, take your goddamn head. I'm like, no, Archie, no. didn't you have a gun? Couldn't you have just shot oh, that head? At least man. you didn't have to do anything to the monkey, but God. Maybe he dropped his gun, but I thought I it was... I like there was a bit earlier on where he was like saying, where's my gun or something. Right. Oh, yeah. you're right. Okay, okay. Still, you gotta, you gotta follow up man, on that, man. you gotta man. wrestle that thing yeah. away from the monkey or something. I don't know what. Throw one of those bricks at it or something jeez i uh um, unfortunately he's not hellboy he's not going to be able to walk around pretty easily anytime oh, soon. Right. right oh that's you're just right. super injured yeah, yeah. <laughs> we forget i also i find it hilarious. damn humans <laughs> i find it hilarious that um von klimt's thing was like okay i'm gonna pop off my body and then fall on the damn floor right. upside down right. <laughs> and one of these monkeys will eventually come over and take me to safety well, like you know he's got those wires at the bottom of his neck which i imagine are like connected to the bottom in some part and it's like basically like think he's like you know got his brain going okay now send the signal and one of the monkeys like oh oh, I oh sure like, yeah. Yeah. Right. right but i mean we know like later on he attaches some sort of floaty thing or something right yeah yeah but it's just like just he's probably like laying there going all right how am i going to do this next time i know <laughs> so from this giant hole in the ground where everything's gone down archie hears a voice he's like oh you've got to be kidding me where the hell did i put that he pulls out his camera the professor's going to want to see this hey arch you okay and we see hellboy he's just standing there in front of the burning nazi banner with part of one of those tentacles wrapped around his right hand of doom that's such an awesome image. And then, of course, that's what Archie takes a picture of. I like how he couldn't find his gun, but he knew he had his camera. Right now. <laughs> so that's your contribution to this operation, taking pictures, Hellboy ass? Tougher than it looks, pal. Lighting, composition, not just anyone can do it. You better stick to punching the monsters, okay? But I feel like that's a comment to us about the art, too. Yeah, well, I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, photography is not as easy just pointing and clicking. Yeah, but I almost, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I also took that as, you know, this art is not easy either. There's lighting and composition and every, you know, oh, all yeah, the stuff no, that no, they no. have to do, too. No, I, no, I agree. And then we pan out and we see the fortress all destroyed. Smoke is billowing out the top. As Archie and Hellboy exit the fortress, he's still not wild about Hellboy bumming cigarettes. You'll get used to it, Hellboy says. Well, well, look who finally showed up, Archie says. You two missed a hell of a party, let me tell you. And then Hellboy's like, where's Bob? I want to talk to him. That bastard, Jang says, yeah, we'd like to talk to him too. And so we reveal they're all beat up, right? 
it turns out that as soon as they took off, Bob tried to attack them and he knocked them out with his gun. When we woke up, we were tied to a tree, Zhang says. Well, at least he didn't try to blow you up with a grenade, Hellboy says. Yeah, well, I pieced that together, too. Anyway, he's not as good with knots as he is at cold cocking a guy, or we'd still be tied up. So what happened with you two? Remember when you warned us that there was something evil up there? Well, there was, Archie says. Hellboy says, uh, getting back to Bob, shouldn't we? Not now, kid, Stegner says. It's a doctor for me, still seen double. We'll let the Bureau know what he did. The feds, they're not too big on treason. They'll put out the bloodhounds, and he'll turn up. Hold on, I'm going back to the um, the monkey dropping the cigarette into the gasoline and the thing blowing up. Okay. <laughs> uh, that just seems like, you know, uh, just like typical of like how Hell- a lot of Hellboy stories ended at the beginning. Like when he's fighting that uh, one dog monster in that very first story. And, oh, yeah. And then just like the sign falls over on him or he just like, he just, he gets lucky a lot. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It is very reminiscent of those old Hellboy stories. I love that. That was very much what they were going for. It's like, you know, They'd been doing uh, Ape and right. Hell, Hellboy in Hell and BPRD Hell on Earth. And I think they were just like, you know what? Let, let's give them some classic 90s Hellboy. Yeah. 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 Love it. It was really great. We cut over to Buenos Aires, Argentina. And we see that jerk Amsel. He's on a park bench. And who does he meet with? Malcolm Frost. Just like we saw in that flashback to issue one. He was there when Hellboy was brought to Earth. Frost asks Amzo if he's seen the paper. It has Archie's picture in it, declaring Hellboy has been granted honorary human status. Nice. I love the uh, the pose in front of the giant burning Nazi oh, flag. Oh, yeah, it's great. If that doesn't get you honorary human status, I don't know what would. <laughs> I also like that that's um, how it happened, because like we've heard how he was declared human. Oh, yeah, by yeah. Right. yeah. Oh, and so, it's like, a good story. Yeah. We get to see it happen on his first mission, so that's pretty, nice. pretty awesome. Yeah, that is. That's why it happened. Great point, Aubrey. That's excellent. Do you remember when that first happened, Mark, when we first heard of that? Uh, I don't remember when it was first mentioned in the comics, but I remember um, it showed up in the Hellboy Companion saying that he became uh, an honorary oh, yeah, uh, human yeah. in uh, 1952, and that came out 2009. So I want to say it was like one of the first things that we yeah, read. Yeah, I thought like, it was real like early you Wake on. the Devil or something like that or one it of those was super early, early ones, Conquer on. Worm or something. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I, I yeah. feel like it was a throwaway line from a character. Right, yeah. yeah. Or even just one of those well, like descriptive kind of bo- like exposition. They're square instead of... Yeah, the word boxes. Yeah, yeah. right. Let us know in the listener feedback. Let us know. Hey, you damn guys. Is... You were supposed to kill him and now he's an international hero. Amsel says they were in a violent situation, and he still doesn't understand what was going on there. Frost is all like, well, when you get back, you can do this, and Amsel's like, I'm not going back, I'll be arrested. Frost mentions that he might have to just kill Broom. He doesn't see any other way. He's tried to talk to Broom so many times. Now Frost is starting to believe that Broom is an agent of Satan. Maybe that's why he didn't show everyone those tapes. All right. Because he was Satan. Okay. No, no, his agent. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's, tra- he's trying to get Satan parts in uh, movies. <laughs> Whoopsie. We'll do lunch. <laughs> but Amsel, he starts shaking and sweating. His eyes turn reddish. This is so fucked up. And then he just erupts in this huge plume of flame. Lord God, Frost says as he reels back. Vavara! Vavara appears. (laughs) 
And she just stands right there next to Frost watching this guy burn. Amazing. Poor Amsel. He was not really a bad man, just not so very bright, was he? And we pan over to just his charred corpse <laughs> burning. And Frost is like, go away, little one, you shouldn't see this. But you, you are being bad, saying those awful things about the professor. You shouldn't say them or even think them anymore. Fuck yes. Because the professor is being my favorite. Just, just the ultimate flex. My favorite human of all. And now I think you understand why you should be nice to him. And behind Vivara, the demon form appears Amazing. behind her, just like we saw in 1946. But I love her pose. Yes. As the demon appears behind her, she's just standing there so, so sweet. Yeah, so yes, angelic, with, her, so with her hands folded. And the, f- the flame on her forehead or whatever, yeah. or on top of her head, I guess. Like we've been kind of making parallels between Mike Mignola's work and and this story and yeah. how he was helping them, you know, figure he had a big, it out. He had a, he large had a big hand. hand in, yeah. yeah, I always really like the idea that she's both appearing in both forms at the same time. Oh yeah, yeah. And like your mind is like somehow comprehending both or something like yeah. that, like in a like a weird psychedelic way. Sure, sure. So like that would be super fucking scary. First of all. Oh yeah. And he just said, like, maybe Broom's an agent of Satan, yeah. and then this happens. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, well, he's my very favorite human, so maybe you should shut the fuck up about that. Mercy of heaven, Frost says. He sits Sh- back down on the bench. I know. <laughs> and why, really, should you worry about the boy from hell, Vavara says. You will be dead a long time before he becomes whatever he will become. So smile and be nice, she okay. says. <laughs> All right. Jeez. As she leaves, she sings... A chastushka. Chastushka is a traditional type of short Russian or Ukrainian humorous folk song with high beat frequency that consists of one four-line couplet full of humor, satire, or irony. The term chastushki was first used by Gleb Opensky in the Book of Russian Folk Rhymes published in 1889. In the early 1920s, chastushki were used by young communists in organized village gatherings as a form of anti-religious propaganda, subjecting the church and the rural clergy to ridicule using the traditional rural poetic form. Lynn Viola provides one such example of an anti-religious Soviet rhyme rendered here. All the pious are on a spree. They see God is not at home. He got drunk on home-brewed liquor and left to go abroad. Okay. And so that's what she's singing here. So the uh, Google Translate translates that into English as ditty, which is interesting. Oh, okay. A little then, ditty. Oh. So when she says, uh, you will be dead a long time before um, he becomes whatever he will become, she's not lying there. I mean, he's going to be dead in a few months. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. So the story is set in April. The section here at the end is set in August because... Uh, uh, Amsel's been hiding out in Argentina for a few months now, uh-huh. and uh, and that frost is going to be dead in October. Yeah, jeez. Oh wow, damn. Yeah. Do they do they talk about that in Nature of the Beast? Um, I believe they talk about it in uh, the Right Hand of Doom when. Um, oh, that's what I'm thinking uh, of. The Right Hand of Hellboy Doom. meets up with his son. I when he meets the son, yeah. Awesome. Thank you yeah. for that. Yeah, Mark. thank you for that. And I know I bring this up a lot, but not to say that I didn't expect this artist to be capable of this. I'm just saying it's always great seeing an artist actually draw a child looking like a child oh, yeah, and not like, like a creepy out of proportion adult or something like it's she looks like a little girl. 
Like, yeah. and so it's anyway. I love Malib's version of Vivara. Yeah, it's super good, especially in that opening scene too. Right. We got a, got a taste of it there. We cut to the BPRD headquarters in Fairfield, Connecticut. Remember when I used to say that all the time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Margaret is talking to Broom. They got the dental records from that charred body in Buenos Aires, and they confirmed it as Robert Amsel. Still no word on the man who he was seen with. I suppose that's it, Broom says. Actually, there's something else, Professor, Margaret says. A witness took a photo at the scene. A rather strange photo. Sorry, this just reminds me of that meme with the girl smiling in front of the fire. Right. Like. That meme with the girl like turning around creepily smiling while this whole house is up in flames. It's very similar to this picture of this man on the park bench all charred and burning. And Vivara is waving at the camera. Amazing. I think she's waving at the professor. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is she waving at the professor? She's like, hi, Aww. I know you're going to see this. Aww. Wow. That makes yeah, it even creepier. They confirmed he, she was indeed waving at the professor. Amazing. Wow. That amps it up a whole other level. Very good. The end. Awesome. We have a nice sketchbook section here in the back with Alex Maliev. And so we get to see his versions of the different covers. And I really like this one where Hellboy's like, is he like picking at his teeth or something like that? I or, guess, yeah, like a toothpick or something. Or does he have a cigarette or something? I really like that one. I wish they had used that one. I like that pose. I like, yeah, the just kind of idle, we're doing stuff. Yeah. We're living life. And you really see how much detail he put into designing the BPRD headquarters also. We also get his initial designs for the monster, and then just like we've seen in a, in a lot of these sketchbook sections, him and Mignola went back and forth on the design. So it's pretty cool. We get to see his version. We also get to see Mignola's sketches of the Anchanga. He cares so much about light and shadows, too. It is so nice yeah. to see him plan it out here, but then also the way it's executed in the actual story itself is... We never mentioned that, it's, right. but it's super fucking good. And I guess like when it's so good, you just don't even notice yeah. how good it is because it's point, just right? the yeah. way it's supposed to fucking look. But yeah, really appreciate mm. that a lot. Anyway, sorry, continue. Mignola writes, I pretty much always knew what I wanted this guy to look like. Something a little exotic, maybe even slightly Asian and demonic, rather than obviously created in a laboratory. Plus, I just love the idea of someone disguising an ape with a rubber mask and a wig. <laughs> like a Scooby-Doo type of thing? Or? Yeah, he's got, a, he's got a fun sissy humor. <laughs> just like Mark was saying, a lot of these panels that we were talking about you know, Mignola actually uh, sketched out the little thumbnails right, for yeah. it. Yeah, I think he uh, he says in his notes something about like um, it's it's difficult to describe all these action scenes. Sometimes it's just quicker to you know do a, a little layout. Right, for sure, right. yeah. In the notes here, he says a couple of notes just to show Alex how to vary the pacing a little bit and to show what a horrible control freak I can be. I think uh. that's horrible. It's just you have a you have a kind of a cinematography in mind it works that's your yeah i mean i don't you know no one's complaining yeah can't fault him for that and we just get more i also feel like it's a bit of uh yes ending you know like uh, you see what um malise comes up with and then mignola just adds a little bit more to it you know like uh the change that he made with the whole scene where um Sue reaches out and touches the cross and gets this feeling and kind of jumps back. There's just a little insert, uh, you know, like saying, you know, get a close up of her face so we can really read what she's yeah. doing. Right, you know, like right. see her concern and see that she's nervous, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. They make a good team, a good storytelling <clears throat> team. Mm. We see Bignola's designs also for the fortress. 
and Malieve sketches more of his roughs for the covers. And and just like Mark was saying, that scene that I was really gushing over with the alligator and the native guy, those are all thumbnailed out by Mignola. You can kind of see the little thumbnails with the coloring in them. His little note here is like, now with the fancy addition of color to indicate blood and love crafty and goo. <laughs> oh, and I like his note is even here <clears throat> starting to climb up into the light. Like you were talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what you were mentioning, Mark. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, wow, Mark. And I love the character model sheet for Von Klempt by Mignola. Oh, yeah. This it's is... so cool to see him draw, like, the, you know, the robot arms. He says, this design was just too much fun. His robot arms are based, as are most robot things I draw, on the classic 11 and a half inch G.I. Joe, the greatest toy ever. <laughs> I'm going to disagree with that. The greatest toy ever is the Transformers. Okay. <laughs> All right. A little disagreement going on there. And then we also see his designs for the Frankenstein henchmen. Heavy color to cover design flaw. Creatures have weak necks. <laughs> and so um, Archie talked about how their heads just fell off. So uh, he also says further down just uh, in the text here, a pretty major design flaw for um, Nazi soldiers having weak necks, which led me to a couple of guys uh, we see at the end with these cool neck braces. I didn't want to be too subtle with the Nazi message on these guys. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's not subtle at all. There's a note here that says uh, Alex's SketchUp studies for the Frankenstein vats. So we can put that one to rest. We will refer to them as Frankensteins. There you go. Okay. Frankenstein vats. Thank oh, you yeah. for that. <laughs> I love the... Uh, this well, I mean, like, it, it makes sense to call it Frankensteins. I mean, you know, yeah. like they're mimicking something. But yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. In this universe, it actually exists. So now they've that's become a term. Yeah. I love that. I love these mock-ups that he did for the um, the vats because they just, um, I mean, it almost looks like it's like 3D rendered. Well, oh, it's yeah. a really specific phrase that they use here. Like the capitalization makes me think that is a program of some kind, yeah. although I've never used it. But Oh, SketchUp. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. SketchUp. Oh, nice. Okay. Very cool. That was amazing. That was so much fun, Mark. I'm so glad that you could join us for this episode. It was a real treat to have you on. What would you think of being on the show? Yeah, it was really great. Like I said, I got to discuss stuff that I kind of missed out on when I was doing Hellmites. That's great. Great. Yeah, it's, it's it's so much fun, and that's the. I mean, hey, man, that's the whole reason I started this podcast. I'm like, I'm gonna create my own show just so I can indulge in all these things that I missed out when I was reading the issues. So, I'm so glad you could join us. And so, do you have any plugs? Do you want to plug Multiversity or anything that you're writing or working on? Oh uh, yeah, at the moment um, on uh, Multiversity Comics, we're trying something a little new with uh, the comics. We're doing just with just Witchfinder at the moment, but uh, we're calling it Mignolaversity uh, Debrief. And the idea is that we'll just come in with the creators after each issue and kind of just have a brief discussion so we can talk about the a little bit more in-depth than we normally can because with the interviews, generally, it's basically you've got to plug the, the series and you can't give away any spoilers, you know, so it's you're kind of restricted in what you can talk about. Right, and so right. the idea is even though they're going to be short interviews, we'll be able to at least dig into some of the stuff we wouldn't normally be able to talk about. So well, we'll see how that goes. Maybe it'll be something that'll become a regular. Yeah, it'll be good. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, and I did see some of those debriefs already. That, that is such a cool idea. And yeah, being the first able, one just came out. And being able to talk to the creators after the issue comes out, it must be a real treat for you guys, too. I'm hoping um, we'll be able to get Chris Mitten on as well so we can talk a bit about the art and what he's doing. But at the moment, it's just Chris Robinson. Awesome. Awesome. Exciting. Well, yeah, I look forward to that. Thank you for mentioning that. And so everybody go check out Multiversity. Follow Mark Tweedo. I, me and Aubrey were actually laughing because 
for a while, your Twitter handle was McClunk, McClunkly <laughs> Tweedale. Uh, actually, it was Tweetdale. Tweetdale, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so mm. awesome. Yeah, but anyway, you have a great account, so follow Mark on Twitter. Always check out his excellent content on Multiversity, and you can also go back and check out all the old Hell Notes and all the other stuff that he's done over the years. And so, again, Mark, you're like the hidden member of the book club guiding us this whole way, and so I'm so glad that you can actually be on and everybody can get to hear your voice, and you can take some credit for all the work that you do on the show, because we really appreciate it, and I know that all the listeners appreciate it too, man. Yeah, And just to hang out with you is fun. Yeah, it's super fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Like, there's a phenomenon where people, when they listen to um, podcasts regularly, they they start to think uh, of the people like, like um, on the podcast as part of their family. Like, it's just a psychological effect that happens. Mm-hmm. So it's just weird to kind of you know these people, but you never really actually. Yeah. No, in this case, it's real. We're it's fr- it's friendship. It's a book club where it's friendship yes, is real. Yes, it's been great. Yeah. yeah, and it feels so natural to just interact yeah. with you. When we called you earlier, we just immediately started talking. It just felt so natural. So, yeah. And hopefully you can join us again another time. I know Matt's going to be jealous that we had you on when he's not on the oh, show. No. So oh, he's, yeah. he's definitely going to want to do an episode with you. I'm jealous he got to be on um, the Get the Lobster. Oh, that's such a great story. Oh, that's oh. my favorite. That's my favorite. One. Yeah, that was a good one. It's one of my favorites. It's got uh, my favorite page uh, um, from Taunty's on it that he's drawn. That's a topic for uh, another. Okay. Probably uh. for a listener feedback. Okay. Right. Okay. Great. I look forward to hearing that. Maybe we can have you on another episode in the future. We'll talk about that, but it would be great to have you on again. And thank you so much. We're going to have another great episode next week. We're going to go back to Lobster Johnson. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. Well, first I want to say thank you, Mark, for uh, joining us. And uh, everybody else, uh, share us your thoughts on Hellboy and the BPRD 1952. You can send us a Hey You Damn Guys at HellboyBookClub at gmail.com. Follow us on uh, Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find the Discord link and the reading list on our Facebook About section. Always a special thank you to Paul from Gardaharn for the amazing theme. We love it. Thank you, Paul. And Mark, thank you for all the work you do in the, um, yeah. the reading order and helping John out with that because... Man, this has been a great story. Yeah, I've been loving yeah. it. Thank you, John, for all your work that you do on this show and everything you do behind the scenes. You are a freaking wizard in this shit. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, oh, and Podbean. Obviously, we were host the damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> Next week, we are reading Lobster Johnson, A Chain Forged in Life, and The Forgotten Man. So, you know what to do. Pull out your back issues, pull out your trades, get yourself a bowler hat, and uh, join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club podcast. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Danielle. I'm Mark Tweedell. Book Club, Book Club member. member. <laughs> and I'm Aubrey Lovis saying, this just keeps getting weirder and weirder. Yeah. <laughs>